Krang should have just said Krang out and then blasted yeah. people or like or, yeah, or Krang go bang or something. Krang go bang. Krang go bang bang. Just light them up. Welcome back to the TMNT Shellcast. This is Season 2, Episode 13, Return of the Technodrome. I'm your host today, Andrew. I'm joined, as always, by my brothers, Chris. What's going on, how everyone? Was your, how was your week? Good. This episode, I'm, I've never been more excited to review an episode than this one. So I'm all jazzed up. I'm ready to go. I, uh, this is going to be a good show. I can feel it. Wow. The hype man is here. And uh, also joined by my other brother, John. John, how was your week? Hey, this is John. This is a good week. Easter, well, I didn't really do much for Easter, if I'm being honest, but it was the Masters this week, so I sat on my ass for about 12 hours on Sunday and watched golf, which was great. Yeah, how about that tree falling over? Pretty exciting. How how about that tree? Yeah, no one hurt, which is good, but you got to watch out for those trees. They sneak up on you. Yeah, John, if a tree falls at the Masters and everybody in the world is around to hear it, does it make a sound? I think it does. It does. <laughs> and a Pope does a bear shit in the Pope's hat? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he Only does. on Tuesdays. <laughs> well, we do have a action-packed season finale for season two. We've got uh, some great segments in store for you. As always, we will... Um, feature pizza time. We've got Twitter poll. We've got a Mount Rushmore, which I'm very excited about recapping all of season two. So that should be fun. Uh, we've got Turtleism's the villain power ranking. And of course, our Twitter poll question. But without further ado, John had the pleasure of spinning the pizza time wheel at the end of last episode. And he landed on Earth, which I think actually you had the episode where you made the executive decision to call that Mushroom. Mushroom. I did, yeah. My foresight was very thoughtful. Very much. So, John, take it away. Yeah, I did. I had Mushroom, which I am a fan of Mushrooms. It's become an acquired taste for me, much like um, tomatoes. used to hate tomatoes, but now I enjoy them. Same thing with Mushrooms, I would say except raw mushrooms, Chris and I were reminiscing on how shitty raw mushrooms are just in general. Yeah. So you got to probably the them. most important vegetable to cook or fungi, whatever. I know it's not a vegetable, but it's in the vegetable category for me. When have you guys ever ate raw mushrooms? Well, Andrew, it's funny. You mentioned that I was telling John, I ordered this is a couple of weeks ago. I ordered a steak bomb sub and I added mushrooms from the local pizza place and they just put raw mushroom on it instead of cooking them so wow i still ate it anyway but a little (laughs) spongy if i'm being honest (laughs) unbelievable yeah and sometimes you get them on the odd like house salad like some shitty house salad will throw a raw mushroom on there like sliced yeah i actually that reminds me you know at hibachi where you if you do the hibachi dinner 
at like a traditional stereotypical yeah. hibachi place they give you the soup sometimes that soup has a raw mushroom in it but at least the soup warms it up sometimes their little yeah. shitty ginger salad has some raw mushrooms in it too i love the Which ginger ginger salad dressing so good too too much ginger but i love yeah i love pickled ginger too that comes with a little sush yeah that's different anyhow this is not a podcast about sushi and ginger salads it's a podcast about pizza more or less and i rolled mushroom as the world can see i ordered mushroom from a local pizza place actually ordered it for lunch so i ate this fresh out of the box i warmed it up in the toaster oven which may or may not be the greatest kitchen appliance that there is. Most versatile, I would say. This is a Sicilian-style pizza, if anyone was wondering. And I'm about to eat it. Chris, take it away. That slice is a crazy shape. Whoever cut that pizza, I don't know what they were doing. Mm. A rectangular slice doesn't make any sense. And the statement that the toaster oven is the most versatile kitchen appliance is just insane. Yeah, especially well, since we're in the era of the air fryer, which is way yeah. more versatile than the toaster oven. And which basically replaces the toaster oven for most purposes. Yeah. Okay, back to me. <laughs> I would say, one, I cut the pizza in this shape. Because it's, Chris, just Google Sicilian-style pizza, and you'll see that it's it's like a pan hey, pizza. Every, hold on, John, before you finish, everyone that's been to Italy, raise your hand. Done. Where's Sicily? Just want to <laughs> let me know. Where is Sicily? Couldn't tell you. Don't really care. Google Southern, Sicilian-style right? pizza. Boot? Isn't the yeah, boot Sicily? It's a soccer ball that's getting punted. Yeah. Let's look it up. Just Google it real quick, and you can see where this shape I came from. I cut it. So here's the thing about pizza for me. Well, one, we're going to get to the rating. I'm going to give this pizza. This is really good. I do love a good mushroom. I'm going to give it eight, $8.46 is what I'm giving this pizza. Okay. Just ahead of my Supreme Pizza. Yeah. Cold. Yeah, which is also just ahead of my Supreme Pizza minus the green vegetables because I think I came in right <laughs> below you at 843 <laughs> or 842 or something like that. Oh, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, green green vegetables were worth a cent. Yeah, yeah 846. I didn't look at beforehand. This was just going off the cusp. Anyways, I had this pizza for lunch. Some people may or may not know. You guys probably don't. Sometimes I eat pizza and I get a, a tummy ache because I don't know what it is whether it's the style of pizza or the cheese, this was a pizza that gave me a tummy ache. So I was dealing with a little stomach ache today. I knew I couldn't eat a full slice of pizza, so I cut it in half, put it in the toaster oven, and warmed it up. $8.45. That's what I'm giving this. So you cut a square slice in half into a rectangle slice? Yeah, because I just didn't want to warm up a whole pizza, a whole slice of pizza. That makes it's more good, sense. It's good, though, man. It's real good. Very good. Why does mushroom got that high? I love mushroom. The only thing that would make this better is if there was some pepperoni on it, which I think I got, didn't I? Yeah. I uh, think I got, yeah. I think you did have that, yeah. Yeah. Which I read that Elisa's like, favorite or something. It is, yeah. Yeah. Which is curious. What is, I wonder what that got. Every time we order pizza, we compromise and we get pepperoni and mushroom. So nice. The old Mary joke. <laughs> <laughs> So this pizza. Well, I'm gonna have another yeah, bite. Yeah, thank you. 
Thank you for fighting through the pain for a second slice today. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a long night. And we'll find out later in this episode who will be spinning the wheel in the season two finale um, after we talk about the results of the Twitter poll. So we'll save that for later. I did just want to mention too, in the spirit of Easter, did, did you guys see the plethora of Bebop and Rocksteady in the Easter Bunny costume posts, either on Reddit or Instagram? I did not. On our Instagram? No, I, I had uh, thought about putting it on our Instagram, but I had seen it everywhere else that I felt like it might be too overused. So, uh, but there's an episode, I think it's in season three or maybe season four called the turtles in the hair, I think is what it's called. But in that episode, uh, it's Easter themed bebop and rock steady dress up like the Easter bunny. So it's very, I wanted to mention it cause it is very timely with the holiday, but a little bit overplayed. So maybe I'll save it for next year. And without further ado, we might as well just jump right into the recap. So a uh, little disclaimer here for the listeners. This is a little bit of Andrew's Andrew's recap order. So I, I did um, try to consolidate. As always, there were about a thousand cutscenes in this episode. So what I try to do is consolidate them into, in general, kind of the major timelines that were happening and then tie them all together. So last episode, I just want to recap. We had uh, season two, episode 12, the Catwoman from channel six. In that episode, Shredder experiments with Krang's matter transporter and accidentally sends Bebop and Rocksteady directly to the turtle's sewer layer, more or less. April finds the transporter, accidentally activates it, and it transmutates her into a cat. The turtles eventually rescue her, destroy the transporter, and April returns to human form. So more or less, that's what happened last episode. And why is that important? Because in Return of the Technodrome, more or less in the first couple of minutes, Crane is ridiculing Shredder about his defeat again. So we have Shredder in a new hideout, which I'm going to call an abandoned mansion. I don't know if you guys yeah. were as confused as me, kind of looking at that first uh, first cutaway image there. Yeah, it was almost like a haunted house thing kind of going on, I thought. Yeah, Just I another layer. To... Shredder's all over the place. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if it was a, a like a mansion or a old hotel but either way i zoomed in it said it was scheduled for demolition so that's why he was there lots of broken windows mm. um but crane doing what he does best ridiculing shredder and in response shredder bebop and rocksteady are pleading for one last chance to conquer earth and destroy the turtles but the invasion can wait no longer according to crane so he intends to bring the technodrome back to conquer earth and then he will personally deal with the turtles he's sick of shredder bebop and rocksteady consistently failing so he's taking matters into his own hands it's kind of it's kind of crazy he's going to conquer the earth first and then deal with the turtles like the the turtles have foiled every single plan 
that's been laid out by Shredder and Krang at this point. To the point where Krang sees the turtles as like his enemy. So you think he'd want to deal with them before he tries to conquer the world. So that would be the logical villain move, you know, take out your biggest threat because then it should be that much easier. Mm -hmm. But then we wouldn't get this excellent episode that we're going to go through here. So I appreciate the fact that he didn't. So do you guys, when, when they're basically Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady are begging for another chance? I felt like Rocksteady and Bebop were making fun of Shredder, kind of like behind his back. Hmm. Like they're almost mocking him when they're saying, "Like, oh, give this one more chance, Krangy." Yeah, I, but it was hard. It was hard for me to tell. I mean, they're so dumb that I don't. I, I don't think they're using sarcasm because I don't think they could really are capable. Yeah, comprehend it. But it is a good point because there is there is a lot of tension in this this cutscene in the new hideout between all, I mean, everyone, even Bebop and Rocksteady, because they are doing that kind of mocking whiny voice. Um, but also, overall, I don't know. This is just a general comment. It felt like the animation style was completely different for this episode. Like the way the turtles were drawn and, and like April and everyone else, they look slightly different than every other episode from the season. Yeah. The colors were a little bit off. Yeah. Definitely, Krang yeah. was way too dark red. Donatello was pink. Yep. Yeah, a lot of weird art. And we had some great art episodes in this season. But I agree with you. Krang, probably the most... Krang and uh, Donatello, and we'll talk about Donatello a little bit more here in the, in the next scene, but both those characters were way off, and it was messing with my head because they both have very significant roles in this episode. So all I could see is like a really, really pink, like dark pink Krang and purpley mm. eyes, like very purple eyes. Um, so it was storm, yeah. Smoking that Dimension X. Ganja? Ganja. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that's the plan. Krang is just sick of of failure. So he's gonna he's gonna tackle it himself, but the issue with getting the Technodrome back to Earth to conquer it is that transporting the ultimate war machine, as it was called, uh, requires immense power. So much power, in fact, that Krang tells Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady that they must install a polarity deflector on the main control panel at the Niagara Falls hydroelectric power station so that... Uh, Crane can open a portal and basically uh, like suck all that energy through the portal directly into the Technodrome. So before we get to what happens, do you guys know how far Niagara Falls is from Manhattan? If you had to guess. Far. I would, if I had to guess. Yeah, let's do a little, like little guess. Distance or travel time-wise? Um, let's Good do distance. let's do distance, yeah. Because as everyone knows, uh, distance equals rate times time. Anyways, I would say <laughs> three hundred miles. Okay, probably. I would say four hundred twenty-five miles. Chris would be closer. Um, this says four hundred and seventeen. Oh. 
from it's too bad you went over though manhattan yeah so i don't know if we're going by prices right rules or not but no. uh it's I mean, far it's pretty it's pretty impressive what i just did there <laughs> is it though is that as the crow is that andrew is that as the crow flies or is that like so that's driving that's driving distance so we'll talk a little bit uh about some of the finer details of that later but i just wanted to you know whet everyone's appetite for how far niagara falls is from manhattan if you're not from new england because you you might think it's right next to it based on this episode um so anyway again just to recap crane wants to divert the power from that hydroelectric power station directly through the portal to the technodrome to charge the not capacitors but capacitators i don't know if you guys caught that um but the capacity yeah capacitators um <laughs> need to be charged in order for the technodrome to be able to come through the portal to earth so everyone all these villains are are amped but especially shredder because this whole season he's been all he's wanted was to get his foot soldiers back from dimension x so that he could conquer earth and destroy the turtles so crane tells shredder that he will send a contingent of foot soldiers and i counted on the screen here uh, but there's seven of them and nice. rock soldiers which i counted four um so he he says if everything goes according to plan i'll send um i'll send the contingent of foot soldiers and rock soldiers and everything does go according to plan because shredder bebop and rock steady go to niagara falls uh i don't know if they kick down the door or if they blast through the door but it's blast, a very blast that open yeah it's a very quick takeover like they basically blast through there's a lot of background noise of people like Hemin and han but shredder walks in and he installs and i put installs in quotes because he just places the polarity deflector on the top of the control panel and he calls Krang and says everything's complete yeah Krang initially says that shredder needs to like put that deflector in the control panel and so when he when they get to niagara falls and he just places it on top of like a metal box i was very disappointed well, I guess I should be—I should say—I'd be impressed at how effective the thing is. But I thought he was gonna like put it into like a fuse or like a circuit yeah. board or something. Plug it, just plug something into it. Yeah, yeah. it's so yeah, advanced; it doesn't need to be wired. Yeah. It's wireless, John. Obviously, wow. Also, just like those uh, dog collars that we talked about last episode. Yeah, the zap collars. The this also to me was like the wait the kickoff to this episode. Just nobody's fucking around in this episode. Like Crank says, we got to take over this power plant, and they just blast the door down, and within ten seconds they're <laughs> running the show. So it's just a no nonsense. Like things, this is the start of things just happening. Crank, I'm going to send you this. He just he just opens the portal mid conversation with Shredder, drops in the little uh, converter thing, whatever it's called. So big things yeah. now that big guns Crank is back on the prowl. Just no fucking around on the villain side. Yeah, I did. I had in my notes, Shredder absolutely nailed that task. Yeah. Well, they also stormed out like Shredder was so amped about getting the foot soldiers back that he he like beckons Bebop and Rocksteady and says, hey, like there's not a second to waste. And then the next scene in in five seconds, they take over the whole the whole hydroelectric plant. And Krang, like foresight from Krang, because when Krang 
said he was going to send the soldiers, it was because he basically said, as soon as we start this thing, the turtles are going to know what's up and they're going to come looking for you. So I'm sending you soldiers to like combat that preemptively, which is just great planning on Crank's side. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty cool when he does send them through, which is obviously later in this episode, but I've, I'm kind of shoehorning it into this um, new hideout segment uh, that we're recapping. When he does send them through, he they're in like a flying Jeep, basically. I think it's badass. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot more show up later, but all in all, just great, great start. You know, the bad guys are, are making waves. And to end this scene, I have to say there's another fantastic sign-off by Krang on the turtle comp. He drops maybe the best Krang out we've gotten so far. Um, well, for sure, we've best one we've gotten so far, maybe the best of the whole series, potentially. And that, I just started, um, when I heard that, I was just recalling the best worst phone salutation segment that we did a whole while back when Krang first called in and said Krang out. That's how you know Krang's feeling it. It's like when an NBA player holds the pose after they're draining threes. When mm-hmm. when Krang's giving you a Krang out, he's feeling the flow on his end. Yeah, it's like the, the only drop. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say the only thing that would make it better if he was, say, Krang fucking out. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess let's just say fucking Krang out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had another point, though. Oh, there's a point where Shredder calls Krang. And he says something to the effect of, like, Shredder calling Krang. Like, yeah, who else is on the, the channel that you're going to fucking call Krang on? Like, of course he knows it's you. Like, how many channels are you communicating? John, that's just classic walk. Shredder to Krang. Shredder to Krang. I know. Yeah, Krang I Shredder. Like... That's just how you talk on walkie talkies. <laughs> uh, classic. Um, meanwhile, so while all this is happening... Meanwhile, April is back in the pen at Channel 6. And it's a slow news day. So Byrne kind of busts through um, specifically to to April, who's chatting with Irma about the turtles. And and Byrne tells April to go out and make some news. In this scene, April, like she's sitting at a desk and she's typing on her laptop. And it's the, have you ever, you might guys remember the Stephen Colbert, like whenever he's on the laptop, he's just like, yeah, typing on it. That's exactly what April was doing when Irma, she's like, I got to look like I'm working because it's such a slow day. And like Irma strolls up and she's just like, click, clack, click, clack. Yeah. And crazy, crazy office layout, just open desks on an undivided floor floating around in like blank space. I would hate, I would hate to be at April's workstation with just everybody's eyes over your shoulder all day miserable there is a term for that i called it the pen i I don't know i don't know what it's actually called but in in documentaries or actual tv shows um any news reporter there's like always that area where like the not so good reporters are having to just kind of hang out and, and work on their stories because there's not enough space or they don't care enough about them to uh to give them an office so Either way, April's going out to make some news. So what she does is she checks in with the turtles, um, specifically a very pink-looking Donatello is what it says in my notes, um, for any newsworthy leads. And she 
in fact, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but she, when I was rewatching, she foreshadows Shredder trying to take over the world. And she says those words verbatim, kind of jokingly, but she's like, hey, what's up, guys? Is Shredder trying to take over the world or what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's actually a nice little Easter egg um, that I picked up on. Um, Speaking of Easter eggs, maybe Donnie was pink because he knew that we were watching this over Easter weekend. Yeah, pastel palette for the for the weekend. Oh yeah, perhaps yeah, perhaps. Also, I had a just a quick note that April is basically I like up to this point I was like, oh, April's kind of friends with the turtles. She's just using them. Like the second she needs a story, it's like, oh, let me go hang around the turtles and see what I can drum up for work. It's kind of a bitch move. Not really their friend. Yeah. I mean, the turtles kind of use her as well, though. Remember in the early uh, season one, episode two or three, um, when they're chatting about April and like the advantage of befriending her because she can get to places that mutant teenage Ninja Turtles can't. That's a good point. So but everyone's, everyone's using bitch. everyone. I mean, Krang and Shredder are using each other. Uh, Shredder's using Bebop. He was using Baxter. I mean, it's what have you done for me lately in TMNT 1987. So, you know, it's interesting. <clears throat> I was just thinking because Andrew, you said mutant teenage Ninja Turtles. There. There's this. There's like rules about adjectives and the order that they get placed in front of nouns that in the English language that people, you just know how to do it. It's like never something that's really taught. But for example, like you would never say, like you would say a, a big red car, right? Or you would say an old big red car, but you would never say, I'm going to go in the red big old car over there. It's just, there's an order that you know that is just like inherent in, as you're learning languages that you just know what order to put those in, which I think is interesting. Nice thoughts. I mean, you're right. (laughs) What those rules are. I can't tell you because it just, you know, autocorrects most of the time when I'm, uh, I would say like eight, like age is probably the first, right? Teenage mutant Ninja Turtles. Nobody knows. I, I have no comment. <laughs> I don't know what to add to that. <laughs> I don't I have agree much to add. that there is, but like what? I mean, what do you add to that? <laughs> so, unfortunately, the turtles don't have anything really to share with April other than that Splinter is preparing for his annual three day pilgrimage of fasting and meditation, which in a later scene he leaves for at night so question i had is is departing for a pilgrimage at night an ultimate ninja move or (laughs) is it just convenience for the rest of this episode i think it's i think it's the ultimate ninja move personally he, he walks off in the dark like directly into the forest I'll like be honest, I didn't even realize it was at night that he walked off. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, because the, the turtles are on the cheapskates, just fucking flying around the sewers and those things. Yeah. Also, like for a guy that meditates a lot, to need to take 
a retreat to meditate more. Splinter's life isn't very stressful. So, I don't know. I guess it's more of a spiritual retreat, but it seems pretty convenient that he gets to take a vacation while the turtles are doing everything. Yeah, quite convenient. And in fact, he he says he's only to be contacted in dire emergency. So the, it's it's made very clear, even with the uh, ensuing chaos, that the turtles basically can't call Splinter. And Leo, in fact, steps into a Splinter-esque role, where number one, um, after Splinter departs for his three-day pilgrimage at night, before Leo can even finish the sentence, you never know when Shredder may strike next, April calls. And April informs the turtles that there has been a massive power failure throughout the entire city. So this is where the timelines now kind of meet because Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady just have taken over the hydroelectric uh, station. And upon completing that, Crane immediately opens a portal and he starts to charge the capacitators for the technodrome. So that is creating a power drain of the city. And Leo can sense, just like Master Splinter would be able to, he can sense that Krang and Shredder are behind the power drain. So I think Mikey calls out Leo on that too. He's like, oh, I thought Shredder was the only one that could have that sense, that sixth sense. Yeah, Mikey is really, like in this the first couple of minutes here, he's really enthusiastic. Yeah, really enthusiastic. Well, um, and like the, Leo kind of makes the joke. He's like, well, without Splinter here, somebody has to do it. He kind of like breaks the third wall or whatever it's called, fourth yeah. wall. Yeah, and he's fourth, whatever. Fourth, fourth. and Leo, while Mikey's really enthusiastic, Leo is especially dramatic in every statement. Like he's very, we talked about the book of leadership. Like he's pulling out quotes left and right. He's being very stern. He's all business, no play, more or less. Well, which to me, at first I was like, oh, it's Leo just being like Leo. But also, if I'm Leo, like this is his opportunity to show all his training off basically. So even like, even though Splinter's gone and he relies on him, it's like, no, 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 I can, I can do this type deal. Let me prove myself. Yeah. And while I give Leo a, a ton of shit, he's stepping into his role as a leader like quite well, especially in this episode. So uh, the turtles need it. Leo needs it. Splinter needs it. Um, and as John mentioned, we have the cheapskates back in this episode. So as, as Splinter is departing and the turtles get this call, they're zooming back into the sewer um, on the cheapskates. Upgraded cheapskates. Yeah. They're so like new they fan. fans on them. And... The big fan. I, I should say too, Leo makes an executive decision here. So Andrew, you mentioned that they get a phone call from April immediately after saying goodbye to Splinter. It's almost just like he could have just turned around and went like, hey, Splinter. <laughs> but he decides not to. He's like, we're going to forge this and go it alone. I think he's being a, like a little bit of a renegade here. John, that's like the classic, like, you know, your parents leave. You don't want to instantly tell them you messed up, you know? You got to show that you can handle yourself. I mean, they, yeah. didn't, they didn't mess up, though. And what if it was like, hey, like, I mean... Splinter finds out 
anyways, but it's kind of that thing where it's like, say, you know, yeah, your parents leave for, I don't know, a holiday or something and something like the water gets the water pipe breaks and you're like, well, let me deal with this over like, well, I was just right, right the fuck down the road. Just like I'm right there. Just bring me back and we can deal with this. Yeah, but yeah. they don't know fully what's right. going on yet. So like when when your parents leave, they lock the door. Hey, we trust you guys to take care of stuff. And you see a little, you know, drip of water on the floor. You're not going to go freaking out that the faucet's leaking everywhere. You're going to try and figure out what's going on first. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is there's impending danger. We don't know exactly what it is yet. And they haven't confirmed if it truly is Shredder or Krang. So I think, I think Leo makes the right call by exploring what's going on because what happens is the turtles meet up with april um and they're like in an alley essentially so they they ride the cheapskates into the city to meet with april and donnie is fumbling with it with his turtle comb you know he's he's working on the dial there and um he's able to intercept shredder and krang's comlink discussion that they're having exactly when Shredder has um, installed the polarity deflector and has called Crane to let him know that he's good to start drawing the power. So in that conversation, Donnie is, uh, is able to pick up on the fact that something is going on about draining a hydroelectric power station at Niagara Falls. And then it cu- kind of cuts out. So he doesn't get the full lay of the land, but he knows Shredder and Krang are doing something in Niagara Falls with the hydroelectric power station. Yes. And for our keen listeners and viewers, if you listen back, there is absolutely no way that Donnie would be able to pick up the information that he picked up. Like he heard Shredder and Krang going back and forth with something about. I think like power and everything, but what he gleans from that conversation, the fact that they're at the Niagara Falls power facility and that they're doing it for the Technodrome, unless he has like some super intuition, he just wouldn't have had those details to be able to summarize that information. But yeah, it was a good on the stretch. Watch. A little bit of a stretch. And I mean, to be honest, when Donnie was fumbling around with the Turlcom, I actually thought he was going to activate the voicemail box. Which, for our loyal listeners, you know, every week we talk about the Turlcom voicemails that you can leave TMNT Shellcast. And Chris, how would someone who's interested in leaving a Turlcom voicemail actually do it? Well, first, they would go to tmntshellcast.com, which is the best website for this podcast, but also for any Turtles information. They would go to the Turtlecom tab. They would click it, and they could leave a voicemail through the magic of the internet. Yeah, absolutely. So, and in fact, I, I recorded one for this episode. But... Wow. Uh, in my fumbling and poor internet connection, uh, it wouldn't upload. So I'm going to have to save that <laughs> for a future episode. Um, but yeah, it's as simple as going to tmntshellcast.com. There's a green button on the homepage you can click. 
uh, you can leave us a voicemail, you can comment, critique, you can, uh, whatever you want to do. I mean, we'll take anything at this point, especially, uh, Dave, Dave, you rose the top, the, you're the cream of the crop of the foot soldiers, but what have you done for me lately? <laughs> uh, the, the other way you can leave a Turcon voicemail, you just go to tmntshellcast.com forward slash turtlecom, all one word, and it'll bring you there. It's actually really easy, especially on your phone. You just grant access to your microphone, you click record, talk into it, click send, and you're done. And I will say this episode, this is a great time to start weaving turtle comms because this episode had the, I think what I would consider like the modern uh, turtle communicator. Absolutely. It, had, like the, the, it was basically redesigned or updated. And this, like when I saw it in the episode, I was like, that is what I remember from yeah. like the toys in my childhood. It's, it's a, like assumed its final form, finally. Yep. Yeah, it was great looking. There's a, there's a nice still shot that I wrote down as Donnie was playing with the knob um, of the, the troll common. And it's great. It just looks great all around. Um, but the other thing I want to mention too, is always, you know, you can find TMNT Shellcast on every major podcast platform. You can find us on YouTube. Did you guys watch the the bonus episode, the villain power re-ranking on YouTube yet? I did. There's yeah. actually more views on that than I thought there would be, to be honest. Quite a few, yeah. And it's only like 20 or 30 minutes, so it's it's really easy just to hop on there and, and watch the whole thing in one sitting. Yeah, it's digestible. We are also on TikTok at, uh, as at TMNT Shellcast. That's the handle. John, what, uh, what's a highlight from the week of social media on TikTok? So there's a lot of um, TikToks going around that have The Office. I feel like The Office is making a big comeback in terms of like templates and stuff. So we got a post up there that calls out how absolutely incredible and fantastic the music is that we play while the pizza wheel is spinning, which is my favorite John loves it. about our podcast i do i love the music so there's a little tribute to uh to the office to the pizza time music some might say it was our second video to go viral yeah what's the what's the update on the uh the number of views so that one has uh, on 800, thousand, right? yep. 824 views on that one our original post had over 2300 so wow i'm just saying i think that's uh, we're also 2x are normal viewers so yeah john's been doing work he you know he um didn't feel a need to do any social media for about <laughs> the first three quarters of the show so far and then he's just been banging him out so at some point i will download tiktok and actually set up an account so i can watch what you've been doing but for now i'm just living through the updates on the pod 76 so. likes on that thing we've our our views we've got 591 likes on the 13 videos that we've posted, uh, which I think is pretty good. Very good. But we're also on Twitter. So if you're not a TikToker like myself, you can follow at TMNT Shellcast on Twitter. Chris, how's the how's the Twitter doing? Great. So not the stellar platform that TikTok is. We're still chipping away, but debuted a new, I don't know if you'd call it a segment, but a new tweet series. We're going with toys, old toys of the day or of the week with descriptions. So the first one was uh, Sewer Surfing Dawn or Sewer Spiking Dawn, uh, the volleyball 
I guess action figure you would call it. So I actually saw one for sale on Facebook Marketplace and I was like, you know what? This would be a good thing to tweet out every once in a while. So as I come across stuff, um, I'll tweet it out just so everybody can enjoy some of the nostalgia of, honestly, I think one of the greatest toy series of all time. The Ninja Turtles action figures are, and all the ancillary stuff that goes with it are pretty cool. So we'll be sharing a lot more of that stuff. I mean, the best thing they ever did was re-release like Playmates who made that original line, save the molds. So thank you Playmates for doing that. Mm. Um, and they re they are re-releasing all of the original action figures as a series two now. So very cool. Twitter has been great again, you know, throughout the week, I, I don't have the opportunity to see everyone, but one cool thing about a feature that's still available on Twitter. I don't know how much longer it will be because Elon's just, you know, stripping it down to the nuts and bolts, but you can uh, subscribe to notifications or alerts essentially. And how would, uh, how do they, how would you do that? Chris, what's the easiest way to do that to stay on top of the tweets? Uh, so if you go to the TMNT showcast profile at TMNT showcast, you can hit the little bell in the top right corner. That'll give you notifications. So any tweets we send out, you'll get a little notification on your profile. You can go and check out the latest and greatest. Um, and always, you know, you can find the latest episode links there, um, you know, links to all the other stuff. So a good, if you're looking for a way to just follow along, even if you're not listening to every episode, the Twitter is a good way to do it. You get little tidbits, stuff I tweet out, plus, again, easy access to all the stuff that we do. Very good. And in the world of Instagram, which is the social media platform that I handle, a um, couple posts, couple posts this week. My favorite actually is the one I posted today. Did you guys catch that? The uh, the turtle com. That was teaser. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, great. I mean, Mid Journey. I'm not going to take credit for everything on the Instagram because Mid Journey is doing a lot of it for me. But if you're into images, if you're into uh, you know, unique AI generated art, head on over to Instagram.com and search for at TMNT shellcast. And you'll see all the updates I post, including um, some exclusive content uh, like the Vinny pizza board, which, uh, which recaps all the scores, top, top scores and lowest scores from the pizza wheel. The other thing I wanted to add before we jump back into the recap is We've got a new five-star review. So it's been a while. Huh. Yeah, it's been a while since I checked, actually. So this is actually back from February 28th, 2023. And it is titled, Wow. <laughs> what a great podcast. These three are as hilarious as they are good-looking. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to rewatch the 1987 TMNT series with any other trio. Such wow, many great, how funny. Signed, Jay Kazanovich. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's I was say, like, that sounds, sounds like something familiar. John would have wrote. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yep. Five so, stars. no notes. The good news is we are uh, still at a five point zero out of five on on the ratings for uh, apple podcast but on a serious note i mean we will read reviews especially five star reviews we'll play the turtlecom voicemails tweet at us you know whatever you want to do to engage we'd love to um 
we'd love to engage and build out our foot soldier group. So keep up the good work. Everyone. Our, the last published episode on April 4th, we had, that was the most popular day for the podcast. A lot of use, a lot of, a lot of listens on what we dropped that new episode. So, wow. I think that was one of our big, better episodes too. So yeah, big spike. I'm trying to get some analytics here because I'm a big analytics guy, but check it out. Yeah. I think um, I, I was in my head waiting till maybe we hit 25 or 20 episode 20 or 25 to do the state of TMNT showcast mm-hmm. where we could go over analytics in a segment or um, social media interaction, that sort of thing. Yeah. So we'll do that in, in some way on a semi-regular basis to, to keep everybody updated. But the most important thing you can do as a listener, um, like subscribe and tell a friend, pay it forward. Um, that's the easiest way to support the podcast. But without further ado, we know that the turtles must stop Krang and Shredder in order to save the world. In April, she wants to cover the story of the century. So they all hop into the turtle blimp and they head on over to Niagara Falls. And I know this is about the turtle blimp. Why is there only one dedicated seat on the turtle blimp? I don't know if you guys have noticed, like the other <laughs> turtles just sit on the wings and like everyone's just kind of like flung all around. Donnie only designed the turtle blimp to seat like one actual person. And he doesn't, isn't Leo, doesn't Leo yeah, drive Leo's it? Leo's ends up yeah. driving it. I'm it's like, surprising. He's, every time it's Leo, it always surprises me I'm, that Donnie's not the one flying the blimp every time they cut to it. Donnie, it's crazy. I would be so fucking mad if I was Donnie. It's like I built this awesome blimp and I don't even get to drive it. Yeah, it's the same with the turtle van. Like, I mean, he does drive the turtle van, but not as often as you'd think he would. So, but at least in the turtle van, he can be in the back, like messing around with whatever's yeah. back there. Like, if you're not driving the turtle blimp, you're what are we just holding it's on? It's like sitting on life. the doctor's <laughs> table with your feet dangling off the edge. That's basically yeah. what they're doing out there. Yeah. Yeah. Even April's up there just like clinging. Yep. So they got a full, full um, turtle blimp. And. They're heading on over to Niagara Falls, and we we catch a scene where Bebop is patrolling Niagara Falls with uh, a sub a, a subset of the con- contingent army that Crank sent through. So he's got some foot soldiers, maybe one rock soldier, but he spots the turtle blimp, and he opens up. It's not a sniper rifle, but it might as well be because what he does again, Bebop, just continuing his his immense shooting capabilities. He shoots at the turtles, and what happens is he hits the glider. Essentially, the glider of the blimp detaches, and and the turtles come barreling towards the ground. Fortunately, they land in one of the rivers that feeds Niagara Falls, and think they're in the clear. You know, because why wouldn't you be? When you land in the water but they're about to head right over the falls so in a moment of amazement i would say for me <laughs> donnie whips out another remote control 
And this time it's to pilot the turtle blimp remotely, which is in 1987, 88, whenever this debuted, kind of crazy to control like a vehicle as big of a blimp from the palm of your hand. Yeah, I was impressed. So maybe, maybe Leo thinks he's driving the blimp when in actual it's we got a little road rest situation going on here. Whoa. Yeah, a little backseat Where, driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the controller. He's on the controller, but it's not plugged in. And Donnie is just, yeah, ripping it with the handheld remote. Could yeah, be, I mean, yeah. that's if you're driving the blimp, you're not really doing much anyway, I guess. It's just kind of going wherever. But I think there was another episode where the turtle blimp got shot down, yep. which just makes me wonder why there, there's just no defense mechanism at all on this entire thing. You're basically a sitting duck the second somebody sees your giant green blimp that says Ninja Turtles on the side floating right above their heads. So got to figure something out in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the glider is detached either intentionally or unintentionally before. Remember when like the updrafts like a few episodes ago, yeah. um, Donnie couldn't control it and they were, they were barreling back towards Earth. So I think too, like the blimp in my mind is huge. But remember that episode that they went to get the antidote to the Gazai plant and mm-hmm. it like they landed next to a tree and it kind of like hid by the tree. So it's yeah. like, how big is it really? You know? I don't know. I think it's, it's like kind of, of it's a nimorphous. Yeah. It's one of those like it grows and as big as big as it needs to be and as small as it needs to be, depending on the episode. A nimble blimp, also known as a nimblimp. How about that? John, also bad look for uh, Mikey. Just they're floating down the river and he's like begging somebody else to do something. Doesn't can't think of anything on his own. Just is basically waiting there for somebody else to solve the problem. What did Leo do? Leo's driving the boat, the glider. He's just trying to keep everybody above water, you know? (laughs) Well, it is very stressful because I think April's giving the turtles some shit too, either right now or, or right after the scene ends where she's basically like chewing everybody out for how they don't have seem to have a sense of urgency in this situation. Yeah. yeah. What, I also I also think Mikey is the one that points out that they're about to go over the falls, no? He might. I don't I don't recall. I don't know. All I know is Leo with the best landing since that guy that landed in the Hudson, Sully. Sully. Yeah. Best water landing I've seen. I mean, what about the alien from uh Episode one or two of the season. He, he just crashed went into straight lake. into the drink and died. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah. But he got the message out to the people that needed it. True. You know? Very slowly and dramatically, yeah. but that's good. <laughs> Can't take that away from him. Yeah. So, um, so fear not. Donnie's got a controller. And what he does is he pilots the blimp above the turtles. And as just as the glider's about to go over the falls, he deploys a rope on the blimp. And they all jump onto it and they kind of glide down the falls um, and touch down, uh, eventually touch down um, and meet Splinter, who has emerged from the woods or from the forest, uh, rather. So um, while Splinter was away, uh, we learned that he was peacefully meditating in what I thought was the same forest as Bambi. That was very Bambi-esque. 
don't know if it was yeah, very serene. Yeah. Also, I assumed based on the context clues, he was in Canada. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just crossing the border for a little retreat. Yeah. Where's the passport, Splinter? Yeah. Actually, that's a great point because um, while he was meditating, he's he's interrupted or, um, because he senses a great danger approaching to the south. So, Chris, I didn't even actually think of this until Chris was mentioning it, but as, as everyone in the United States knows, Niagara Falls is split between the U.S. and Canada. And as Chris has told me many a time, where, where's the best view of the falls, Chris? It's from the Canadian side of the falls. So yes. if you ever, if you're in the U.S. and you want a good view, bring your passport with you. So let the record show that John also noted Splinter was in Canada. Very I good. have it in my notes as Splinter is in Canada? Question mark. John, so, yeah. have you been to Niagara Falls before? Uh, no, I have not. Oh, so not Chris has the insider knowledge to know Chris. The, how realistic this actual scene was. Everybody knows. <laughs> Everybody knows that the Canada side is better. Yeah, but John, you don't know the surroundings and what it's, you know, you haven't been there. So this episode <laughs> meant a little bit more to me because as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, wow, this, it's almost like I'm there again. <laughs> oh, really? Some of the trees look familiar, I would say. Is there, here's a question. Is there even a hydroelectric power plant? In no, not immediately Niagara near Falls. the facility. But I will Have say what is accurate, because if you're watching this episode, and this is what I thought before I set foot at Niagara Falls, which I have done, um, <laughs> you're thinking to yourself, like, how can they just be walking right next to the falls? Like, wouldn't it be sectioned off? No, it's actually surprisingly easy to get. You could walk. There's like a little low fence that you could just step over and walk right into the river if you wanted to. So the actual depiction, the way they drew the falls, it made it seem smaller than I think they actually are in comparison to everything else. But the rest of it, like the river leading up to it's pretty, pretty accurate. You can just walk around down there. You mean I don't there? even have to go. I don't even have to go to the falls anymore. I, I've experienced it through the TMNT episode. So um, the thing I did want to show, and, and I brought this up earlier when I asked how far you guys thought Niagara Falls was from Manhattan because, as I mentioned earlier, um, Splinter emerges from the forest at Niagara Falls. And uh, to your guys' point, since he was traveling from the north, um, he must have been just, you know, just north somewhere in Canada. Um, I'm going to share my screen here for a second because... Canada is also known as America's hat. So... Uh, how the hell did Splinter <laughs> walk from Manhattan to Canada in a couple hours when it takes, according to this, five days? Yeah, it's like an eight-hour drive, even if he's... Yeah. The other part I couldn't figure out, so when they show him, when the turtles like see him off on this little adventure, they're at the end of a sewer grate, I guess, that's just like poking out into the woods. So I did, I couldn't figure out if that you would assume that's right outside the city or did they traverse the sewers all the way up? Cause he walked into the, what looked like the forest he was meditating in. Yeah. But I there's no way that. that would be possible with how everything was going on. So yeah, he's moving around pretty fast. Even I in the boy, it would to take have happened. 
I think what's likely to have happened, because when he leaves that sewer, there's like birds flying around and deer that are like, as Andrew said, very Bambi-esque. I think he probably tapped into some deer riding fucking network where he's just prancing up into Canada. Yeah, he, he had to have driven or ridden something because there's no way, number one, he gets there that fast, but number two, um, that he get, he leaves there that fast because this is all happening like the next day. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff yeah. to be also determined when, when Splinter emerges from the woods, he's got like a steamboat Willie walk going on. I don't know if you guys noticed that he's I like, didn't that. you know, the steamboat Willie, like, yeah, yeah. He's like kind of like, bow-legged and like yeah. bouncing around whistling very much. <laughs> yeah. Splinter's he's refreshed from his retreat. Yeah. So, um, they so we've got Splinter, the Turtles, and April, all at the Niagara Falls site, um, and they're hatching a plan. So Donnie has a plan to shut down the power station by closing the river tunnels that feed it, essentially. But April pipes in, so April's actually got a plan. Like instead of just screwing every plan up. She's actually got a pretty solid one. Um, and it is in the next scene, we see April luring a foot soldier and rock soldier that are on patrol. She kind of like reverse cat calls them and they pursue her towards a bush that she ducks into. And as they're running over to it, um, Mikey and Donnie intercept them. Did you actually, call Mickey? Mikey. Oh, I thought you said Mickey. It might just be because I'm lagging. Michelangelo and Donatello intercept them, and they um, they struggle for a little bit to win that battle. Um, but with the help of April, who distracts the foot and rock soldier with a video camera, um, the theme music comes in, and, and Donnie and Mikey do a synchronized somersault kick that's what I call it. I don't know, actually. Like, basically, mm-hmm. they went head over heels. Um, and a front kick, handspring, perhaps? Yeah, front handspring. And kick the the soldiers down the falls. Catapult them. Yeah. yeah. Right Those basically murdered. This was point number two where I was like, shit's getting real because they, they basically kicked them to their death off of a cliff. We do have a kill count going. So Leo's the only one. He killed the plant. Yeah, so he plant. was one. I'm pretty sure that those that foot soldier and that rock soldier were kaput. Yeah, they're dead. That's death. They plummeted he, into water. But here's the thing: the foot soldiers we know are robots, so that doesn't count. The rock soldier is a being. Does it die? So, like, what I thought in my head was Onyx from Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Water beats rock, right? Water yeah, is water super is effective against, against yeah. rock. Yes. So the rock soldier dies. Yeah, so he's definitely I guess we'll dead. have to see who um, kicked I him. I think it was Donnie that kicked the rock. Let me just pull it up quick. Also, while we're pulling that up, April just points a camera at them and it like stuns them. I didn't, that part didn't really make sense to me. I know. Because well, they were getting, the turtles were getting rocked. Donnie and Mikey yeah. were not holding their own in that fight until April intervened again. And saved them basically. Yeah. She's got um 
She did that a few episodes ago with the cyberpunks too, where she just like pulls out a camera and just hits a, you know, flash button and it stuns them. This was even less like, are they just caught off guard because they don't know what it is or I don't, I don't know, but either way, without the help of April, Donnie and Mikey, I don't think would have been able to hold their own there. No, the way Mikey, the foot soldier just grabbed his nunchuck as he was twirling it and threw him to the ground, just completely manhandled him. Donnie at least got like vibrated to death because he hit the guy in the head. That's the second time that it's happened to to Donnie that he's done the the wiggle. I think it was when he was fighting the pizza monsters, maybe? It was one of the big robots, I thought. Yeah, I Zarnoth, maybe? One of those ones. Yeah, but he, yeah, he, I don't know. Or no, what didn't Leo hit it and he was holding on to Leo or something? There was something going on like that. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, that's I do laugh out loud though when that happens. And let the record show that Michelangelo kicked off the rock soldier. Wow. A plus effort for Mikey. So that's he couldn't handle the foot soldier, so he had to switch opponents. Yes. But you know, you take what you can get. So kill count. Michelangelo won. Wow. Now meanwhile, I just need to figure out where I was tracking that. Meanwhile, so as as this scene is unfolding, Rath and Leo are breaking into the, the power station. And Leo distracts Rocksteady because Rocksteady is stationed at the at the hydroelectric power station. Um, again with a with a subset of the foot soldiers and rock soldiers. So Leo distracts Rocksteady, um, which allows Raph to do his typical Raph thing, which is throw his sigh, because apparently the writers don't know how to actually use a sigh in battle. But he tosses a sigh and it hits Rocksteady's gun. It activates the trigger and kind of like pulls it down um, so that Rocksteady actually shoots his own men. So he, so Rocksteady also kills one foot soldier and one rock soldier in that scene. Yeah, this is they point. This is all? of all the deaths and murders. This one's probably the most vicious because they made Rocksteady murder his friends, essentially. Yeah, yeah he's did killing he, his but own. But did men. he? he I don't know him? if they die, but I mean, they got a laser blast. Like within right to the chest, a two foot, <laughs> like point blank, yeah, two feet away. They're dead, John. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially if that's the same gun that shot down the glider from like a mile in the uh, you know from the ground yeah. to the air. So, um, so that happens, and then, uh, and then Leo, I think, hops on Rock City's back, like knocks him down, and they're exchanging some words. Um, I believe Rock City threatens to plasma eyes Leo. Um, before kind of flicking him off or kicking him off his back. And then this may be my favorite scene, like this this like five second clip here of the whole series so far. Cause it's so it's so complex, but at the same time like simplistic. We've got a typical schoolyard um trick here, I guess. So Leo just got flung off Rock City's back. So Raph and Leo kind of gather themselves by this bush, maybe 20 feet away from Rock City. And they lure him to charge directly at them. 
So he puts his nose down and he even says, you, you turtles got my goat, mm-hmm. which I still don't really know what that saying means. I don't know if you guys have any insight to it. We could talk more about it in turtleisms if you want, but either way, rock city is charging at them. And in the last second, right before he's going to get to Raph and Leo, who emerges from the bush? Good old Splinter. And he hucks sleep spice right into his eyes, which immediately puts him to sleep. And when that happened, a million things went through my brain. But most recently, isn't there a reference to spice in Dune? Is it Dune or am I thinking Star Wars? Like, cause I watched no, Dune, both Fett. actually, but yeah. Dune, it's more of a crucial element of the plot. So what's like, if you had to give somebody that had no idea and has never watched Dune, like the That's lowdown me. of spice, what would that be? So in Dune, and I'm not as big of a Dune fan as I am a Star Wars fan, but in the movie Dune, spice is like the element that allows for space travel. So they basically harvest it from planets. In Star Wars... I believe it's more of like a drug type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, it was the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Book of Boba Fett where there's the spice run that's going through. Yeah. Like one of those tribes that he's, um, he was hanging out with and, uh, he puts a stop to that. So sleep spice though, um, is what they put in sleepy time tea. If you're wondering, I just got sleepy time tea for Harvey for the first time. And he's so confused of, does it make me sleepy or does it make me not sleepy when I drink mm. it? Cause it is kind of it. confusing. <laughs> it's, it's non-caffeinated, but it's called sleepy time. Yeah. The little bear on the box is falling yeah. asleep. Same, same picture. They haven't changed. Carnation is not, is it carnation? I, have no I, idea. I think it probably yeah. makes, yeah. But either way, he got spiked. Also, so we learn a couple things from the scene. One, you can charge, you can stop a charging rhino with sleep spice. Chris, how else can you stop a charging rhino? Uh, is this a serious you, question or a joke? You take away his credit card. <laughs> I knew it was. I knew it was a joke. <laughs> I was going to say you cut off his bank account access, but <laughs> nice. Yeah, but very intense and like not at all what I would have expected if you told me to complete this sentence. Rock City is charging at Raph and Leo. What happens next? It would not be Splinter emerges and throws sleep spice in his face. Yeah. Splinter, but he does. Yeah. Splinter does love a good bush too. Yeah. Yes, he does. So, um, back to the turtles. We've got, again, if you recall, the plan that they had hatched was that the, uh, let's see, April, April kind of modified things. So let me just find. So April had superseded Donnie's plan. So originally Donnie just wanted to break into the power station, close down the tunnels. Um, April had the diversion plan where Donnie and Mikey murdered a foot and rock soldier. Um, So they kind of like split off into two, but regardless, Donnie still 
gets into the, the power station and follows through on his end of the things, which was to cut the power to the pumps to ultimately close the portal. So he's successful in getting there because they all meet up after Rocksteady's taken down. Um, however, Shredder, Bebop, and Rocksteady are now pursuing the Turtles, April and Splinter. So Crane had foreshadowed, like, hey, as soon as this happens, we know the Turtles are going to try to foil this plan. So be prepared. That's why I'm sending you extra hands um, for your army to fight. And that's exactly how it plays out. So a ton of foreshadowing. We've got what seems to be the most predictable episode. However, it's action-packed because while Donnie was successful in closing the portal, the Technodrome emerges immediately through a new portal that opens because Krang, Smarty Pants Krang in Dimension X, realizes once the hydroelectric power station is cut off, he can just take and divert auxiliary power from the Technodrome to open the portal and send the Technodrome through. So while the Turtles thought, hey, we stopped the big baddies from bringing the ultimate war machine here, they were in fact unsuccessful in doing that. They were ousted by the little brain. Yeah, which big is nuts because from the little brain. they physically stopped the flow of Niagara Falls for no reason. Because Crane, which I, it felt kind of to me like it was like a little bit of a cop-out that it's like, oh, our master plan got ruined. So I'll just hit the auxiliary power button. But still pretty cool that Crane... Again, because this is Crane's probably the best plan we've seen so far. He's thought of all, almost all the contingencies. So, yeah, so I far Crane crushing it. You spent the whole season, all f- twelve episodes leading up to this, in Dimension X, just essentially fucking around. around. Well, maybe fucking around, but or maybe he was just big brain moving everyone, just like just and, gets, gets it done. And, just gets and it done. not only is Crane's plan perfect so far. And this is where you know Krang is just on one. He perfectly predicted how and that Shredder would screw up. Yeah. So like knowing that he can't trust Shredder with anything and he has to come save the day, he's built in a contingency plan knowing that at some point the Turtles would fool Shredder and he would have to switch to auxiliary power. But that's not even the worst part because once he gets through the portal and that Technodrome is massive in the scene, and we'll talk a little bit more about its size uh, here in a second. But he then unleashes everything he has in his army that available to surround the Turtles, Splinter, in April. So they are fucked. Seemingly. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a Seemingly. lot of shit in that. They kept talking about, like, armies, and it's, like, seven people. That's not an army. This was the actual army that had them surrounded. Yeah, and they also had like another dozen or two of those cheap vehicles. You know, a lot, a lot. Very, very tense scene. Um, and what happens next is Shredder tries to make the call for the attack. So Shredder, who, as we know, has just fucked things up left and right, calls for the army to attack, but Crane stops him before he even finishes the sentence. 
because he wants the honor of destroying the turtles himself. And the way he plans to do that is activating what I'm going to say is like the main technodrome laser. And then we get what I call the tale of two quotes. <laughs> so the laser is activated and right before Krang's about to push the button, Splinter says, in life, there is always hope. So he's Splinter saying that I think to Leo or Donnie, he's saying it to the turtles and, and Splinter or um, April, essentially to calm their nerves right before they're about to be murdered. And Crane on his end says, I bid you farewell mutants. And then he goes to push the button to activate the laser. But unfortunately, the capacitors have been drained due to the auxiliary power requirement of the portal. So the laser malfunctions. Yeah, tough. This is where you fell into the classic trap of giving a little villain speech before you finish off. This perfect point up to this point, Shredder surprisingly had the right idea, was just murder these turtles now, and Krang couldn't help himself. So. Yep. Yeah, he was going for the home run, and he struck out. Yep. A little bit of hubris on Krang's part to be the one to want to blast the turtles and April into oblivion. Although yeah, but honestly, John... The way he had it set up, like, would have been pretty badass if he was able to fire that laser. I know. <laughs> surrounded. Who thinks they're surrounded by a whole army? He's got them deadlocked with the biggest laser in the universe. <laughs> would have been pretty sweet. Yep. <laughs> but instead, the, the turtle sees the opportunity to escape since they're heavily outnumbered, um, but not before kicking some shell. So Leo... Again, recall Leo has really stepped up and, and been the alpha turtle here, but he deflects uh, somebody's laser shot. I don't know if it's Bebop and Rocksteady or the Foot Soldiers, but he uses Katana's deflects the laser shot into a tree branch, which then and ricochets falls... off yep. of the technodrome. That is true. Um, knocks the tree branch down and gives them at least one clear path to, to run and escape. And as they're doing it, Donnie calls the, the blimp to their location with his remote control. And they escape again by rope, um, evading a barrage of laser shots on the way out. So mm -hmm. they came, they saw, they escaped. And they're going back to Manhattan is what we find out. There's a funny line that Shredder has it's right before, so that the turtles, the laser malfunctions, the turtles are running off. And Shredder has a, I think he's got Bebop and Rocksteady and a couple of foot soldiers. And he's like, God damn it, Krang, like these guys are getting away. And he's trying to tell the foot soldiers that the turtles can't escape. And he says they must not escape. But the way he says it, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, it is unbelievable. Like Chris, good or bad? I the only thing I caught in this moment, and I don't know if we're there yet, is when Shredder re-enters the Technodrome to talk to Krang. That'll be that'll be next. No, so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. so I didn't the catch way, this part. The way he says they must not escape, he basically says blah, 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 blah. <laughs> they shoot the laser. I like he said it and I laughed out loud because of it was I I I, I can't even explain it. Yeah, I'll have to go back and watch it. 
I thought I picked up on most because I've seen it like share? three times now. I wonder if I can present with audio because I got it pulled up on YouTube, but we don't need to go through the rigmarole, but it, it was ridiculous. And then I know we had talked about this a little bit before, but Krang's line to kill the turtles was, I bid you farewell, mutants, which just made me think. Like I shortly after that episode, Elise and I were walking down to CBS to pick something up. And I was just th- trying to think of what, like, if I was a villain and I was about to assassinate my arch nemesis, like, what would my line be? And Elise had gone with the very classic, she said she really likes the term D-bags. So she's like, Sayonara D-bags <laughs> <laughs> is, what she would, is what she would put. And then I just kept laughing, trying to think of what I would come up with as my, like, as my villain line. Did you think of anything? Well, I, I feel I just feel like the Terminator Asta La Vista baby is like a classic. Yeah, like, that is pretty good. Yeah. Asta La Vista baby, and then you just blow him out of the water. But I, I, I think it would be something to the effect of like lights out bitches. <laughs> something to that effect. Like, I don't know. It would depend what my like villain identity is, but it would definitely. Crane should have just said Crane out and then blasted yeah. people or like or, yeah or Crane go bang or something. Crane go bang. Crane go bang bang. Just light him up. Crane go bango. Exactly. Yeah, he went with. I thought it was a very formal. I bid you farewell. Well, I think it's, I, I have respect for Krang because I think that's a sign of respect for the turtles. Like he's, you know, they've, they foiled everything and he's an overlord of dimension X. Like he's not just some like B level sure. villain, right? Like he's a, he's a real deal alien. So I think he's got some respect for the turtles because they've foiled every plan so far. So I bid you farewell is kind of like a tongue in cheek. Like I'm enjoying killing you, but I'm also kind of sad because like you were like almost an equal to me, you know? Yeah. So, um, which is kind of like in <laughs> the Lego Batman movie. Have you guys watched that? That movie nope. is incredible. I love the Lego. The, all the Lego movies are way better than I ever thought they would be. Yeah. I only watched it recently, but um, in Lego Batman, uh, Joker is essentially trying to make Batman admit that he's like important to their dynamic. Like they, that they can't exist without each other is essentially like a short version of it. At the end of the movie, Batman acknowledges it. Um, but it made me think of this because it's, it's kind of this, like, I hate you because you're my arch nemesis, but I respect you because you're my arch nemesis. Crango bango. But you also like in this moment, you have to feel kind of bad for Shredder because Shredder first, like the turtles were Shredder's enemy first. So Krang has kind of taken that from him. But then also all Shredder has been asking for this entire season is to get his foot soldiers back and like help from Krang. And he finally gets what he asked for, but he's not in control. And he's just watching what should have been the perfect plan, like crumble in front of his eyes as he's helpless to do anything. 
Yeah. So it's kind of sad that way. It is sad, but back in the Technodrome, Shredder gets to talk a little shit to Krang for failing. True. Which, which is always nice. Yeah, that's really the first time Shredder's been able to talk shit to Krang because Krang really hasn't failed on the scale that he he just has. And nobody actually has. Like they they haven't really had the turtles, Splinter, and April all in the same location, ready to be killed at the same time. So it is an epic, it's a failure of epic proportions. Surrounded by the biggest army. Yeah. Um so Shredder gets gets a little bit of um, silver lining by by the shit talk to Krang. Uh, but what he does is he's asked to reactivate the falls so that they can recharge the capacitors. So the turtles, remember, have taken off. They're headed back to Manhattan. Um, so Shredder just flips the switch or undoes whatever Donnie did to reactivate the falls. Um, and the capacitors recharge, in my mind, rapidly. Um, it may it may be hours later, who knows, but in the next scene, the capacitors are fully recharged. And Kring shares his, his plan B, which is now to create a seismic vibration with the Technodrome that is so intense, it will cause an earthquake of cataclysmic proportions. So he just got defeated. So now he's going, he's like, okay, that plan's out the window. I need to like pull out master plan A and go like balls to the wall, you know, and do the most egregious thing I can do, which is essentially destroy all of Manhattan to, to, in my mind, I was thinking to basically, um, you know, uh, what's the word kind of like push the turtles out of hiding. Cause he, he really is pissed now. Like not only, yeah, not only does he still want to conquer the world, but the turtles just royally screwed up his plan. So he's out, he's out for blood. Yeah. He says he's going to use New York city as his base to take over the world. That's correct. He says, um, so once he causes the earthquake, he will then take over the evacuated city and make it the base of operations to use capabilities of dimension X to conquer the entire planet. Yeah, and credit to Crane for like giving people a chance to evacuate. He's not just going to kill everyone that's in there. So a little bit of heart. But the best, the part I, I mentioned before, Shredder's angry walk or like little jig. He, did you guys catch this when he enters yeah, little the Technodrome? He's doing like a little jig as he's walking oh, yeah. up. He's just so angry he can't control his legs. <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> when he's laying into Crane, it's funny because... He has to bend over to look in Krang's face because Krang is in the... Which, I, I thought about this, but I didn't say it. Why didn't Krang just design this thing so that his face is in the head? Like, why is he always in the, in the stomach? And the design of his robot suit makes no sense. It, it doesn't, but I do know Shredder is actually quite tall. Like, in, he's supposed to be taller than your average person. Like, you know, six like six six or six eight or you know six ten something like that um and then the android is yeah supposed to be like eight nine feet tall something like that so that makes i think maybe crane compared to the average person he's actually pretty close to eye level like in being in the stomach but it does make for a weird it makes for a weird dynamic when he's talking to everybody else yeah and just like the dynamic of shredder walks in super mad Krang lays out his new plan and Shredder's just like, oh yeah, I like it. 
And Krang's like, well, you don't really have a choice, but it's just the instant turnaround of, mm. you screwed this all up, Krang. Oh, wait, this is your plan? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, and Shredder does like it. He says that like four times in a very cheesy way. Um, right before the Technodrome then burrows down into the Earth. And then in the next scene, in fact, does cause the earthquake in Manhattan. Yeah, so presumably so, tunnels from Niagara Falls underground this huge which we'll get to the they give a size reference coming up i think but just a massive tunnel across the entire state of new york so what yeah and what crane chris you mentioned he like broadcasts to all of new york city to basically tell everyone like hey you have 24 hours before i blow this thing up he says i just pulled up the transcript so he when he goes on the television he says, this is Krang, ruler of Dimension X. Hi, I command everyone to leave the city. Like, <laughs> he says, he says yeah. hi to everyone. Like, <laughs> hey, this is Krang. Hi, like, go into the city. Just maybe I was like, did he really need to throw that in? <laughs> he didn't, but I, I actually caught that and I laughed too because, yeah. again, it's like he's wasting time with details that don't matter and then not focused on the stuff that does. But that's yeah, why I love like, Crane because he has like a little bit of flair and pizzazz where he does like he'll do stuff like that or like when he you know makes like a joke to Shredder he'll like laugh to himself and then hang up on him like those that's why I love Crane he just does little funny things like that that are probably unintentional but they make him way cooler than he actually is yeah absolutely so after um, you know you guys hit the nail on the head so taps into the new station to command the city to evacuate or else he'll threaten an even larger, stronger earthquake to level the whole thing. Um, and I think the turtles are, the turtles are in the layer. I, I think they're watching uh, yeah, they the show. Cause what Splinter says is, and I quote, and so begins the final battle. Very dramatic. Very dramatic. Yeah. Great line though. Mm-hmm. Great line. Yeah. Pretty badass. Made you wonder like, did they think there was going to be a third season to this puppy? You know, I don't know. I don't know if it gets better season finale wise than this episode. I don't remember. <laughs> like, I don't remember season three or four or five, but like so far, this has been in my mind, like the best episode. Yeah. Hands down. I love this episode. Yeah. And right after Splinter gives that line, I think Leo says something like there's a time for, planning and there's a time for action and he just like runs he in this episode he does a lot of pulling his sword out yeah holding it up in the air while he yeah. runs down the wherever he's going yeah it's so, like yeah he's like william wallace like charging <laughs> with his sword held high like that reminds like though. long runs too that yeah. he's just holding yeah. like <laughs> he's the only one with his weapon out nobody else yeah because everyone's like him. oh we don't need this out yet it reminds me though um so there is a crossover episode in uh so my son watched uh, the 2012 tmnt series which is more of a 3d um animation or is 3d animation not cartoon and it's actually pretty good at some point I'll, I'll watch it or maybe i'll wait till we we cover it in uh, like eight years but the the episode that I'm talking about is a crossover between the 87. Like they basically 
find a time portal and they get transferred into the 87 cartoon. So they go through time and go into 2D. And then at one point, the 87 turtles hop into the portal or, or the time machine and they go into the into their dimension. They become three-dimensional. So it's a great episode. But the reason I bring it up is because they super stereotype all the 87 turtles. And Donnie, or uh, not Donnie, Leo, in every scene is pulling his sword out holding it high and yelling turtle <laughs> power just running off so it's just timely because chris brought that up and, and then they they really um bag on him in the 2012 series <laughs> but i will put in the show notes that episode link and i think you guys um might enjoy it so either way as chris mentioned the technodrome created these massive underground tunnels tunnels and that's exactly how the turtles find the technodrome in manhattan is because they just basically look for a giant hole in the ground and follow it until they hit the technodrome. And once they are at the technodrome, this is where the size revelation really became apparent to me. So they, somebody says the technodrome is five times the size of the Houston Astrodome. And I looked up this information. I don't know if you did, Chris. I did. I made a no to, and then I forgot to, okay. but it's, I know it's a huge stadium. Yeah. Okay. So the Houston Astrodome is 90 stories tall, which is 1,200. No. Yeah. What? 90 stories tall, 1,260 feet. <laughs> There's no oh, I'm way. Sorry. I'm sorry. 1,000 feet? Five <laughs> times. Insane. Yeah, I'm sorry. Five times the size of the yeah, Houston yeah, Astrodome yeah. is 90 yeah. stories. Yeah, yeah. So divide that by five and, yeah. It's like, yeah, 200 feet tall. Yeah. Sorry. Um <laughs> It's like this is the biggest dome ever. Yeah. So it'd five be a times... mile high if that was the case. Chris, how many feet do you think? Oh, sure, no, oh, if you oh, did oh. five times a thousand feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm with saying. you. Yeah. So it's not the Houston Astrodome is not 90 stories tall. The Technodrome is 90 stories tall, which yeah. is just over a thousand feet. And then the Houston Astrodome, so five times, let's call it this uh, area area diameter whatever you want to call it is uh ends up being the equivalent technodrome size is 47.5 acres and i was going to put this in feet and miles and it got confusing so the closest analogy that made sense to me was football fields so 47.5 acres is 36 football fields in in girth whatever we want to call it <laughs> breadth um so this thing is massive, absolutely massive, and not drawn to scale in any of these things that we've seen, except for maybe the episode where Crane first gets his android body and he punches through the surface and like they look up and it's legitimately, it looks like thousands of feet. Yeah, it's also funny that the only two references we have so far to the size of the Technodrome have been baseball stadiums. I think in the earlier episode, they say it's the size of Shea Stadium. Yeah. And now they're going with the Houston Astrodome, which I guess is also a football field at the time. But Yeah. Also, I have no sense of how big an acre is. Literally no. Yeah. I also perception. did not. And I... Um, I Do you know, this, long... here's a little trivia question. Do either of you know how the size of an acre was determined. What's it based off of? I don't know how long it would take a mule to farm something in a day or something. Yeah. 
Did you just look that really? up? <laughs> yeah, it's how it's how much like a um one man and one mule could plow in a day, like the size of the field. It's like it that's got to be an imperial system thing. Yeah, how did you like, did you like know that? I feel like at some point I remember yeah, yeah. hearing about that, but <laughs> I and I could be wrong on this that. too. But, I thought you were faking, like you were reading it, but faking like you were trying to figure it out. Oh yeah, but, well done. Someone had told me at one point, like a square acre is the equivalent of like a half a square, a half square mile. Big. I don't know if that's true or not. What's the square root of four three five six zero? Uh, four three six zero eight point nine. What is it? Two oh eight point nine. So it's like two hundred feet by two hundred feet or so. Two oh eight by two oh eight. So let's just do this. How many acres is a football field? Andrew just did that. Math I did. Oh. <laughs> it's just lagging. It must have cut out. It's because that was like five minutes ago. Yeah, because <laughs> forty-five minute lag. <laughs> it's basically like it's 0.75 football fields. I think is the equivalent of one anchor. Yeah, like that's that. exact. Yeah, because a football field's about uh, what three hundred plus yards, three sixty. I mean feet, three hundred sixty yeah. feet by one hundred and fifty feet. Something like that. Yeah. So check. Either out. way, it's it's massive. Um, and not only is it massive, but it has one foot thick titanium armor that surrounds the exterior. But fear not, because Donnie has a gadget for that to break into it. So he he pulls out of his back shell an explosive ninja star. Is what I'm going to call it. There's probably an actual name. I know there's an actual name for the ninja stars that you throw. But he has the explosion, exploding version, and it sticks into the Technodrome armor and explodes a hole, which then causes the security alarm to alert Krang and Shredder of intruders. So again, yeah, the, the, point, the wall Technodrome are a foot thick titanium. Yeah, yeah. Imagine how heavy that thing was floating when Krang brought it through the portal, too. Yeah, <laughs> so it's insane. The weight of that thing is. Also, the hole it blew, massive in the side of the, the Technodrome. Yeah, massive. on the seventh floor, Crank says. Seventh yeah, they floor? entered through, which, like, I love how they instantly know where they broke in, but there's just nobody around to stop anyone from doing anything. Well, because it's so spacious. But, but John, there's, there's the army, there's an entire army in, in the Technodrome, in theory, with all their equipment just garrisoned in there. Yeah. And they blew a hole in the size of the, like the size of like a school bus, and there's just nobody around at all. I mean, not the first whole plot that we've seen, Chris. But plot uh, plot hole, yeah, I'm talking about adjectives, um, adjective order. So once the turtles are inside, they are heading to the control circuits. And they do, they ultimately get there. And again, I know this is a little bit out of order, but it it makes it a little bit easier to recap the way I'm going to break it down here. So the turtles head to the control circuits and Donnie begins to rewire them 
in an, in an attempt to deactivate the earthquake-causing mechanism in the Technodrome. So that's their number one focus is, hey, we got to save the city. Um, we're the only hope. We got to go and make the Technodrome not cause this city-leveling earthquake. Um, and as they're, as they're in the control room, Bebop and Rocksteady roll up on the turtles. And quick, quick thinking Leo tricks Bebop and Rocksteady into ditching the laser guns due to the potential circuitry damage that could be caused by firing them. And in fact, we did see, I think it was in season one, that same thing happen where was it Mikey had lured Shredder into shooting his laser gun? Was that what it was? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, to destroy some some control panel. So we know it can happen. I'm sure Shredder told Bebop and Rocksteady about it. So they're like, you know what? Yeah, let's ditch this and do it the old-fashioned way, just with fists. Um, and then next thing we know, who who tosses Rocksteady over the shoulder? Hmm. I forget. I think it was Leo. Yeah, it was Leo. I think John, Leo, I was going to let you answer, but... Oh. Yeah, Leo flings Rocksteady into into um, a panel behind him, and it causes a blackout in the room. And then, very ninja-esque, the, the turtles tie up um, all the bad guys, and they run off. But they're not really sure if... Donnie's not really sure if he completed, like successfully completed the rewire, because they had to take off. They know they're being pursued by... Uh, Shredder and Krang and their cronies. Then what happens next is Krang tries to activate the earthquake mechanism. Like he's basically just watching, like he taps into some video feed of the city. He's watching that people have evacuated and it really pisses him off. So he's, <laughs> he's going to follow through on his threat of an even stronger earthquake. So he goes to push the button again. And lo and behold, he gets his second catastrophic failure of the day. Which, because like, if you're crying in this moment, you're so it's mad. just devastating. Your heart, like, one failure of a button was bad enough. The second he pushed that and realized nothing was happening, his heart must have just sank in his chest. Yeah. It's also like, yeah, it's been two times in a short span where he's pushed a button intending to absolutely annihilate the turtles and then devastate an entire city and they both failed yeah what he needs is like a backup like a backup switch that is always going to work you know like he can't just put all his eggs in one basket and and expect pushing a button is going to work like it has in the past because clearly he's been outsmarted yeah, or even twice. like the monitoring situation of the Technodrome will tell you the second somebody walks in a door from the outside, but can't tell you that the wires are getting fiddled with on you <laughs> with your most important weaponry is just poor engineering. Well, yeah. Chris, here's a little here's a little comparison for you, if you will, if you'll allow me. How about the human body? You've got nerves and quote unquote sensors that'll tell you if you got a cut, but your internal organs don't have any pain receptors. Uh, much like the technodrome, it is true. You can still feel pain internally, though. If you like, if you if you break a rib, you feel. If you puncture a lung, you feel that. 
I don't think your statement's true at all. I think it is true. Yeah, I think I get what John's saying. Like, if your liver is hurting, like the inside yeah. of your liver is hurting, you're you don't get a proprioception or or um like a nerve activation that oh hey yeah. But on the flip side, John, like all the uh all this circuitry. Symptoms. Yeah, all the circuitry that surrounds that thing, like there's, uh, like feed a feeder system that yeah, you know, while you may not know exactly where it is in your liver, you know there's something, there's some abdominal pain I'm having because something else is being activated. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, you know, yeah, I was going more like yeah, if you have like heart disease or like lung disease or yeah, cancer. Or, yeah. So, like John, you, to finish you, your analogy, mm-hmm. the circuits aren't what's going to warn Krang. It's his alarm system. You just made my point for me, so thank you. I'm saying that most often things that get designed are based on nature that are most effective. <laughs> what kind of, what <laughs> John just spinning his wheels around? No, no, no. And so I'm saying maybe Crane was so genius he designed the Technodrome to mimic oh, that of a body, a human body. But I, if he did, it would set an alarm off. Whatever. It did, this isn't the place. The yeah. listeners will know who won that argument me me it was an argument <laughs> i'm just saying well whatever the little tete-a-tete so crane his heart just dropped into his asshole basically and he's <laughs> and he's pissed he's pissed or he's disappointed one of the two or maybe all you know emotions are just flying um because <laughs> the the drill mechanism has failed so earlier when the turtles had first entered into the technodrome splinter had split from the group because he had sensed shredder was nearby and did not want to foil the turtles plan so basically he wants to split off and lure shredder away from the turtles so that he can buy them a little bit more time to hopefully be successful and shredder had also sensed splinter upon entering the technodrome. So we, we're getting a very Star Wars-esque, like the Force, you know, Vader uh, and Luke kind Huge of thing. Going Star Wars here. ripoff for you. Because when they do eventually meet up, what what Star Wars movie is that from when, when Luke and Vader are like battling on the bridge? The whole, isn't that the whole, Luke, I'm your father? Yeah, it's basically like the same... Everything this, the way they drew it was obvious, like they took it from Star Wars, but also the dialogue was kind of lifted in how, like, Splinter's saying, you know, Irokusaki is no more, yeah, Ama- Amato Yoshi is no longer, yeah, yeah, whatever. I wish we who's who, yeah, yeah, because they they meet in this, um, this long bridge that looks to be like in the heart, like the center of the Technodrome, and they do exchange some dialogue and, um. And Splinter does say, in fact, Hamato Yoshi is no longer in response to Shredder referring to him as Hamato Yoshi. Um, and this may even be a callback to the Splinter is no more episode a few ago, where he does retro mutate temporarily into Hamato Yoshi. And then I think ultimately realizes like he's meant to be a rat and not a human. Um, but anyway, he says Hamato Yoshi is no longer. There is only Splinter. So very like Splinter's had some really dramatic quotes, but I feel like they're all well 
um, placed and well-timed and very, like they amp me up what he's saying in, in every aspect. Hell yeah. Um, so they meet there, they're about to battle and um, the, the rewired drill mechanism collapses. So the rewiring that Donnie had done was successful and the drill me- mechanism collapses the bridge and splits splinter and shredder on the two halves but splinter being the rat he's able to crawl up the bridge with using his his claws um and rendezvous with the turtles meanwhile shredder is hanging by the thread of his cape uh over what appears to be like you know a 300 foot fall to his death um and i think I think he maybe just shouts or like complain. He says something at the end of that scene that lets you know that he's not getting out of where he, where he's trapped at anytime soon. So he's stuck and he lost again to his arch nemesis, Hamato Yoshi slash splinter. Yeah. Which if you're, I would have liked to have seen them at least fight a little bit there, but again, and this goes to me feeling a little bit bad for shredder, like his, he's just watching his plans crumble and, front of his face while his mortal enemies get away but if you're a cape guy a guy that wears a cape this is like the worst scenario for you that your cape gets stuck on something and prevents you from like completing your task so just a little extra twist of the knife like yeah super cool costume shredder your cape got stuck on a post and now you're just dangling there but saved his life though perhaps otherwise he just plummets to his death and maybe, how do we know maybe it's he's not able to grab onto something? Get out of How do we know it's not the same cape that Mario wears in Super Mario World that allows him to fly? Imagine if Shredder could fly. I mean, there are a couple episodes where he jumped it. off like the 10 story building and just landed yeah. on the ground. Or when he just leaped into the tree and like uh, <laughs> in the park. Remember with the thugs that were trying to rob him? Yeah. The yeah. Crick and Ninja Turtle game episode. Um, but either way, in the midst of all that happening, um, is kind of where these this plot comes back together now. So in the next scene, the turtles in April escape from the Technodrome because it's seemingly like falling apart. And it really is because we just saw the bridge collapse and and um and Splinter take off. So they run out of the Technodrome and they're like heading down the tunnel. And then all of a sudden Mikey's like, I think it's Mikey, but they're like, oh no, we forgot about Splinter. And in that moment, I'm thinking how pissed would Splinter be <laughs> as their sensei and like all-knowing teacher that even in the midst of what's happening, maybe they couldn't save him, but they didn't even think about him. Like he wasn't even <laughs> on their mind whatsoever until they're like 500 feet away from the Technodrome. So it's a real slap in the, fl- slap in the face of Splinter in my mind. Um, yep. But then what happens yep. is the technodrome starts sinking into the earth, like deeper into the earth's uh, mantle. And um, right before it basically completely is submerged, Splinter somersaults out in a very, uh, spry like, yeah, exactly. The exact word I was going to use, John. <laughs> um, but yeah, he somersaults out and they all rendezvous. Um, and what we learn is that Donnie had reversed the seismic polarities 
causing the technodrome to sink to the earth's core. And uh, I think Krang says that, and he blames Shredder as they're sinking. And eventually they basically fall into like the earth's core, which is what, like magma, lava, I don't know. Some molten sort iron. of molten, yeah, molten metal. Um, Pretty sure it's so that, iron. Yeah, we'll go with iron. Um, so that's the end. That's the end of that scene. And what happens to wrap things up, as we've seen with a lot of these episodes, the turtles are back in the lair and they are eating what I'm going to call white pizza, which if you Google white pizza, it's olive oil, garlic, and a variety of white cheeses but no sauce. little so fromaggio on there. A little yeah, Parmesan. A little, yeah. Some mozzarella. Uh, a little bit of everything from the white cheese, white cheese group. Kind of crazy to just munch on a pizza after you murdered thousands of people, in theory. <laughs> I mean, the entire Rock and Foot Soldier Army plus Krang and Shredder and Bebop and Rocksteady sinking into, which I guess tells you how deep they were. They were mere feet from the lava core of earth <laughs> and they just sank in they just murdered a th- like a thousand people and then got a pizza to go they did and uh with that first and only pizza appearance this episode i'm gonna lead us into pizza time so to, to determine who spins the pizza time wheel this week chris would you mind pulling up the results to the twitter poll so, uh, listeners will recall, well, listeners who listened last week, I guess, uh, John gave us his weekly Twitter poll question. And last week's question was a little bit controversial, I will say. There was some debate, but it was what is something you would never use at a friend's house? So, if you went to a friend's house, what object there would you never use? John said plunger going for the crowd vote but not necessarily a logical answer andrew after his uh first toothbrush toothbrush pick was vetoed because it wasn't in the spirit of the question went with pooper scooper something that if you had given me a million guesses i never would have chose and i went with tv remote which may not seem like a great answer which is the worst answer no, I think it won good. though, didn't it? So, so Angel lied before because so there were three votes total in this week's poll. <laughs> Everybody That's received false. one vote. I just I uh... <laughs> technically I'm winning at thirty four percent. No. <laughs> yeah, on my phone. That's what it's, I'm not even kidding. It says you two have thirty three percent. I have thirty four. Oh. Well, I did vote earlier. Maybe just who didn't did you vote again. for? I voted for you, Chris, TV remote. So I won. So that put you at 50% of the votes, and John and I both tied for 25%. So how do we settle a tie? Little rock, paper, scissors? Little Rochambeau? Flip of the coin, maybe? Actually, you know what? No, we're going to do... Spin of the wheel? We're going to do a little trivia based on our social media posts. We'll see who's paying attention here. All right. This is so bullshit. we're going to go back to the Twitter... Because that's impartial. I run the Twitter. Neither of you guys uh, are that involved with it. So here, here's. I guess how do we do this? <laughs> I'd say we just spin the wheel. No, John. Fuck this trivia. 
right, first one to answer wins the uh, poll. So yesterday was a national holiday. National Siblings National Day. Siblings Day. Andrew won. John. What? What? He said it first. No, he didn't. You see, on my no, screen, we said it at the exact first. same time. No, I said it no, first. It came through very clearly. I'm also lagging, no. but Andrews came through way bullshit. at least a second ahead. No, the, spin the wheel. This is bullshit. Or we can do this. All right, nobody look at Twitter. <laughs> the toy I posted, sewer spitting spike and volley Don, came with. Let me count them. One, two, three, four, five accessories. We're going to go one for one. Andrew, name one. John, name one. First one to trip up loses. John, you're first. <laughs> A volleyball. Okay. Volleyball bomb is one of them. <laughs> Andrew? Uh, I'm going to go with a life saver circle thing. Wrong. And now what do we do? <laughs> we have another tie. <laughs> no, I'll I'll do it because John ate this round, so I'll take okay. uh, I'll take the bullet. I'll take mm. the bullet. Um, we could have got John in his first repeat performance of um of pizza. I think time. I did two weeks in a row. Did you? I think so. Well, no, you didn't. Now that we have the results of the Twitter poll, we will head into pizza time. Pizza time. And I've got the Pizza Time wheel on the screen. So if you head on over to YouTube and search TMNT Shellcast, you can watch us spin the Pizza Time wheel in real time. And what you will see is we've got about 20 different options on the Pizza Time wheel, including some fan favorites like anchovy, like everywhere. We've got four anchovies apparently on here. We've got... Yeah, we need to knock... I'd like to see a weird, like an anchovy. We need to get some of those off of there. Yeah. There's been too many good-looking pizzas the last couple of weeks. I agree. <laughs> but there's still some unique ones, like mini pizzas. We've got uh, the white pizza I just added. We've got all sauce, I think, or more sauce, extra sauce. Um, we still have jelly bean and mushroom from episode one, I think, or two. And Yeah, and sashimi from episode yeah, one. Yeah, we've got Mentos. I mean... This crazy stuff. Peanut butter and jelly still there. So, I know John really was hoping for mini pizzas last week. Um, I am hoping for peanut butter and jelly because mm-hmm. you want to know why. My favorite smoothie place in Idaho is called Tree City Smoothie, or Tree City, something like that. Um, they make what is called the PBJ shake. Mm or smoothie rather, that smoothie legitimately tastes like peanut butter and jelly in liquid form. It's so good, but it's also healthy. I went there when we were up there for your wedding. I feel like I got a peanut butter and jelly smoothie. Because it still blows my mind to this day that it's so much like a liquid form of peanut butter and jelly. I see that on the wheel, so that's what I'm going to hope for. Yeah, Smoothies, as we all know from John's Turtle Tech, Invented in the 1930s. California. Very good. So, without further ado, I am spinning the pizza time wheel. And I 
will not get peanut butter and jelly. Instead, I'm getting anchovy. Oh, <laughs> no. Just wow. straight anchovy. That is very unfortunate. I was hoping you get the one with the mint because I hate mint. All right, so I'll take that. I one think off you the can board. do a good anchovy pizza myself. I like anchovies. Yeah, so here's actually what I'm going to say. I think I'm going to order anchovy pizza from move. my pizza place just uh, just to see what it's like in its truest form. I've never had anchovy on pizza. Um, I could buy anchovy like John did. And I think that's a very logical way to do it because there's a lot you can do with anchovies uh, in the culinary world, world besides pizza. But uh, Rachel, my wife, despises fish. I know anchovies are extra smelly. Uh, so I think I'm just going to leave um, the heavy lifting to my local pizzeria. I think that's a good move. And support yeah. a local business. So yeah. it's a win all Small around. business. Yeah. Yep. The pizza that I had today was from Leone's. No free ads, but shout out Leone's. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so um, that brings us to the close of the episode. Whoa. Don't we need to rank some villains here? Yeah, we have a Mount Rushmore here. Y- yeah. A close of the episode, John. The episode, oh, not oh, the podcast oh, oh. episode. Sorry Good recovery by Andrew there. Who knows if he actually confusion. meant that? But that is what I done. meant. Close of the the turtles episode. Uh, we're going to move into the Mount Rushmore. What I'm calling the Mount Rushmore of season two. So it's been a while since we've done Mount Rushmore. It's a collective. Uh, voting of our top four answers to a specific topic or preferences to a topic. So what I'm doing for this Mount Rushmore is three distinct Mount Rushmores. So we'll do them, and I don't know what order um, we want to do them, but the Mount Rushmores are going to be the Mount Rushmore of Season 2 episodes. So our favorite episodes, four favorite episodes the Mount Rushmore season two villains. So new villains that were introduced in this season who are, how would we, you know, pick our top four and then the Mount Rushmore of season two pizza time eating segments. So these are actual pizzas that were eaten during season two. So we're going to rank our top four there as well. Does that sound good to you guys? Sounds like a plan. Which, Chris, do you have a preference? I think we start with episodes. Okay. Because then, yeah, we'll do the episodes and then, because the other stuff is all, we'll start like Kingdom Phylum Species, whatever that goes. Start with the broadest and go narrow it down. All right. So if you guys uh, head on over to the Trello, again, no free ads, but the Trello has been really helpful for us organizing the pod. Um, I've written the 13 episodes down and John, would you mind reading the episode titles to the audience? Yes. I will not mind. We started, but first I'm going to sneeze here. And, um, and when you do that, maybe we can collectively just try to recap uh, you know, what, yeah what the highlights are because i tried to do the chat gpt yeah and it was so busy this afternoon i couldn't get on to, to do them all so mm. we're just gonna have to go by memory here 
Episode one, we started Return of the Shredder. So this was Shredder coming back to NYC, hopping into the tree, the turtles. I think he was looking for the turtles, but Return of the Shredder. Yeah, and in that episode, we get the Crooked Ninja Turtle game because remember he tried to uh, badmouth the turtles to get the city to turn on them. And it, and we also get in that one... Uh, well, who else? Mm-hmm. I think Irma appears for the first time. Um, was this where the alien landed too? Yeah, I no. thought that was the first episode. But no, it's not because... Those three episodes were in a row, weren't they? Yeah, there is no alien in this one. I thought it was ready to crash, but no. This I is, can't believe the Crooked Ninja Turtle game was from this season. It was yeah. like so long ago. Yeah. Yep. So that episode. That yeah. Episode two, The Incredible Shrinking Turtles. This was the first crystal of the I have Zarnoff. Zarnoff, series. yeah. Yep. That shrank the turtles. Um they kind of sneak through the sewers. April saves them. But yeah, that's that episode. Yeah, so we get the alien pilot um, who guards the Eye of Zarnoth crystals, mm-hmm. um, who basically just sets up for the next two or three episodes by saying you need to retrieve these or else whoever finds them will have immense power that could take over the universe. Yeah. Uh, episode three was It Came From Beneath the Sewers. This was with the mutant plant making an appearance. Yes. A brief appearance because it uh, emerged and died all yeah. within like 24 hours or was, was yes. murdered rather by Leo. Yep. Uh, episode four was The Mean Machines. So this was Omnis, right? This is the Omnis episode, I believe. Yeah. Where he takes over. Yep. That's correct. Episode five, Curse of the Evil Eye. I believe this was the final episode of the Eye of Sarnoth crystals where we get the blob monster, Baxter, Mortimer the cat. They're on the ship, flying dragon, etc. Yep. Episode six, Case of the Killer Pizzas. Chris's favorite episode, I think, pizza, up until, up this, until this week. But yeah, Pizza yeah. Monster episode. Yep. Uh, episode seven, Enter the Flaw. I Baxter's uh, mutated into the fly in this episode. One of my favorite episodes. Yeah, great episode. Season. Yeah, good one. Episode eight was Invasion of the Punk Frogs. Which we had the Another banger of frog well, that episode. Yeah, arguably six, seven, and eight may be like the best back-to-back-to-back episodes in the entire series. Keep that in mind. Yeah. We, we may bring that up at a future um, Mount Rushmore yeah. recap. Episode nine was garbage. Splinter no more. This is yep. where he's transmutated back into human. Goes topside for a little bit. Really bad episode in my mind. Our shortest episode, uh, episode two. Our shortest podcast episode. Mm. I think it was only like an hour. It was under an hour and thirty minutes. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was peak John. Just dead air. Wouldn't I, I remember waiting that episode? <laughs> it's a shitty episode. Yeah. yeah it, it, it was. Uh, episode 10, New York's Shiniest. This is with Rex, the Rex One robot. Yep, and the clones that uh, that Shredder uh, replicates to try to defeat the turtles in the city. Yeah, maybe the most artsy of the uh, uh, episodes here, too. Uh, episode 11, Teenagers from Dimension X. 
the return. Chris sucks. Chris wasn't a fan. Chris wasn't a fan, but uh, yeah, the neutrinos return and they foil Krang and Shredder's plan to um, uh, what was it? The hyper dimensional something. Transdimensional. Transdimensional ports. Yeah. Their mento neutralizer. Yep. Yeah, that's what it was. To scramble their brains. Uh, Episode 12 was the Catwoman from Channel 6 that Andrew had recapped at the beginning of this episode. April turns into the Catwoman. And then 13, which we just covered, Return of the Technodrome. So why don't we begin by each of us stating our favorite episode and a brief reason why. Because I think we likely, I mean, that'd be one way to get three of the four up on the board and then we can debate the last one. Makes sense. Let me start here. Sure. My favorite episode of this season got to be case of the killer pizzas. The, and it's really just because the pizza monsters, I feel like are one of the most iconic villains that I think about when I think of the Ninja turtles. And so I'm going with case of the killer pizzas. Go ahead, Chris. No, no complaints on that for me. Yeah. Yeah. Also a great episode. It got like everybody involved. Vern's in there. Irma's in there. Everybody's in the sewer kind of doing like the Scooby-Doo, the monsters creeping right behind them type deal. So Mm -hmm. I like that episode. I like it too, because not only is it uh, a great cartoon episode, but it's also pizza monsters are an incredibly important part of the video games. That's as like as a villain, you know, like them in the sewer, like in their little ball, moving back and forth and jumping out as you're on your little hoverboard. Always a pain in the ass, um, but a welcomed pain in the ass. And in Shredder's Revenge, I actually like, I kind of like the new version of the Pizza Monsters too. And I'm sure that was because of trademark infringement or something with the Alien series, but I thought they did a good job of kind of updating the pizza monster look and still making them a menace in the, in the video game. Yeah. So I would definitely put the case of the killer pizzas on the Mount Rushmore of season two episodes. Chris, you agree? Okay. Yeah. That episode, just, just to give you guys context too. So that was season two, episode six, um, kind of middle of the road in terms of plays. So we got, uh, Mm. it says 22. And just to give you kind of the range, episode one is up to 73 plays. So that's the highest. Our trailer is at 25. And the lowest is Splinter No More and and or The Curse of the Evil Eye at 20 and 13, Mm. respectively. So it's kind of middle of the road at 22. So maybe not our listener's favorite episode but um yeah overall solid one so it's definitely on the mount rushmore for me chris what is your your pick mine easy the one we just did return of the technodrome just pure wall-to-wall action some of the episodes get drawn out where there's almost too much plot development this is just no fucking around people are dying master plans from everyone you know, that's a season finale, so you kind of expect that. But this, compared to the season one finale, just delivered on every single thing. So I'm a big fan of this episode. 
Yeah, I think it also deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. A-plus episode on this one. So that comes over to me. This may be controversial, but I think Enter the Fly deserves to be up there because, and it's maybe not for that exact episode, but the significance of Baxter um, in this season is incredible. And he was at his best when he was the fly. Yeah. So I, if you guys want to debate that, I'm, I'm open for debate. But um, the two you picked were definitely my two favorites. So that's probably my third favorite from the season. Yeah, that was on. I, I made a top four separately. Mm-hmm. It was on my top four. So yeah, I got no that's a fly. That. Yeah, great episode. That's where Baxter gets sent into the future, right? He's gone in that episode at the end of it. Entered the flies when he is supposed to be vaporized because he keeps failing. Remember, it's like he's eating ice cream on the, uh, I think it's ice cream. Doesn't he die at the end though? Um, Does he? I think that's, I thought that was a different one. No. No, uh, he must because it's not Invasion of the Punk Frogs. He's not in, so. Yeah, must be. He's born and, and dies, so. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, he will come back. <laughs> spoiler alert! So, we will see Baxter again at some point. Um, but great episode. Yep, great episode. Um, yeah. Okay. That's so. So what? What makes number four for us? I'm gonna say Invasion of the Punk Frogs. Yeah, that's what I had. I think the Punk Frogs carry that episode. So they're just so cool to me. And I, yeah. I just, they're funny because they're kind of dopey, but also the, like, just the way they're drawn. And I just think they're cool characters. So that's why mm-hmm. I had them up there. Yeah. I like that one. I mean, there wasn't, um, from like a plot standpoint, there wasn't a whole lot that happened in that episode outside of introducing to some of the characters. Um, but the only other one to me that like could even get close would be the Mean Machines because I think Omnis and, like in terms of just a regular episode, not a season finale or not the opener, like there was a lot packed into that episode. And I think Omnis was a formidable villain, even though he came up short. Um, but I would not put that one ahead of Invasion of the Punk Frog. So I think that was a pretty easy Mount Rushmore of season two episodes. We've got um, in no particular order, The Case of the Killer Pizzas, which was season two, episode six, the Return of the Technodrome, which is season two, episode 13. The Enter the Fly, which is season two, episode seven. And to round out our Mount Rushmore, Invasion of the Punk Frogs, season two, episode eight. So keen listeners will note that those three that I had just said a few minutes ago, that may be the three best back-to-back-to-back episodes, make our Mount Rushmore. Oh, yeah. So that will lead us into the Mount Rushmore of season two villains. Chris, would you mind reading through the villain list that I put on the Trello and maybe give everyone just, again, just a brief little overview of who who they were and what they did? Yeah, no problem. So we have the Crooked Ninja Turtle gang. They are shredders hastily assembled gang right when he got back from dimension x that he dresses up like the ninja turtles and has them rob banks cause chaos to try and get the public opinion against the turtles we've got the mutant plant 
which started as kind of scum on Shredder's boot from Dimension X, and then Baxter kind of mutates into this monster. Omnis, which Andrew mentioned just briefly uh, a moment ago, the computer, I guess, program um, that kind of tapped into the city grid, caused a bunch of chaos. We've got the Eye of Sarnoth monsters, the Blob monster, the Electric monster, and the monsters that were kind of on the bridge at the end of that episode. Um, basically, these giant monsters under Baxter's control that he used to try and stop the turtles. The pizza monsters we talked about, everyone's favorite. Um, the fly, which is just Baxter in his fly form after he was mutated. The punk frogs, uh, who were bullfrogs in a swamp in Florida until some mutagen was spilled on them. Uh, Shredder kind of used them in a similar way to the Crooked Ninja Turtle gang. They were kind of robbing a bunch of places. People mistook them for the turtles, but ultimately uh, found the good in their hearts and turned against them. The anti-turtle attack squad uh, was in there for one episode created by the city to stop the turtles um, during the punk frogs episode. So Mm -hmm. short lived, they were able to freeze the punk frogs, but never got the turtles. We had the tentacle monster from an unknown dimension when Shredder was working to. He was reading the spell, right? Recited the. Yeah, reading a spell. Yep. Um, The Rex One clones, again, just cloned off of the Robocop that the city was developing to help deter crime. Shredder used them to carry out numerous tasks. And then uh, lastly, the Cyberpunks who just run a bad part of town. They're kind of a roaming gang that just kind of plays by their own rules, I guess. <laughs> so that's the cyberpunks. In the spirit of the villain, uh, season two villains, Mount Rushmore, are we, let's set some ground rules. Are we just picking our favorite villains or the most villainous? Um, favorite. Favorite? Yeah, I was okay. going to go with favorite. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with that too. So obviously, pizza monsters are up there. I mean, we've already yeah. talked ad nauseum about the pizza monsters, so That's they make up. the Mount Rushmore. Yep. Is that your pick, Andrew? I think the fly has to be up there for sure. I would say the fly. Uh, Chris, how do you feel about the fly? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Okay. So Baxter makes it again. Uh, let me guess, Chris, are you going to go with the punk frogs? So I'm kind of torn because they are my favorite, but they're really not that villainous. Like yeah. They do some minor stuff, but I mean, they just are so cool looking. I have to, I have to throw them in there. Once you guys disagree, I wouldn't be torn either no, way, I but I do love them. I like the punk frogs. Yeah. I mean, I think. I like uh, that they're named after like medieval European. Yeah. People. Yeah. I think given this list too, because we're on, so we're on to our fourth. Because we have the pizza monsters, the fly, and the punk frogs, which should not be a surprise since those are from our three of our four favorite episodes. But if you look at the other villains here, there's really not suck. a lot Garbage. to go off of. So for the fourth, like in my mind, it's between Omnis. Um, I mean, you could argue like like for coolness or intrigued to me like omnis is there the mutant plant not really in my mind um especially because it was killed the quick ninja troll game was weak they had um, the cool like 
green bags yeah. on their head, though. Yeah, if you go costume size. design, I think yeah. they're the best that's left. It's true. <laughs> I but like uh, the Blob Monster they're... personally. Yeah, I have Star Monster. They were just so short lived. Like they were only on screen for like five seconds. Yeah, like it's the same with the cyberpunks. Like the cyberpunks are cool looking, but they're they do nothing in the episode and they're just there briefly. So, you know, Omnis is powerful, but he's just so lame. Like a computer screen guy is just does nothing for me. But if you think about in the time period, like in the 80s, that would have been cool because it's basically like AI in 1987. So, like, you know, what was that 40 years ago almost? Like, would be a big deal, but not in today's world. So, I totally get that too. I would go Omnis. Like, if I had to choose between Omnis and the Sarnoth monsters, I'd go Omnis. But if we're just talking, cool. Like, cool. I almost think yeah. the Rex One like Crooked Ninja Turtle game. I just like how they had, they were like so like basic. They were just like beating up, robbed a bank, and like had these yeah. lame ass costumes. That is just like old school. Yeah. Villainy, villainry. Just rob a couple banks. They like kick the safe door open. Yeah. Handing out business cards that like say "Crooked Ninja Turtle." Yeah, bank. So I like that. That is, <laughs> yeah, it is kind of just like a, a throw, like an old school throwback type villain where, yeah, you know, they know where their bread's buttered. We're just gonna like steal some stuff. Yeah, I like it. That's my. I mean, favorite. I don't have anything better than the Crooked Ninja. Turtle I'm fine game. with that. What was the leader's? I always forget the leader's name. He had a funny Smash? name though. Smash, I think, or Crash. Yeah, it was like. Yeah, crash maybe. Hash slinging slasher. <laughs> uh, I could tell you actually. Let me, because that was. was I forget the name shredder. of his gym. It was like the name of his his dojo or whatever. Oh yeah, it was the. Oh man. That was like splat or something. So his name, I'm on uh, Turtlepedia, which is a invaluable resource. So his name is Smash. Smash confirmed. He was at the something and something dojo. It was like, oh, slash for cash gym. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, yeah. The local karate school that Shredder corrupts. Slash for karate. Cash. All right. So um, with that said, our Mount Rushmore of season two villains is in no particular order. The Pizza Monsters, the Fly, the Punk Frogs, and the Crooked Ninja Turtle Gang. So that brings us to the Mount Rushmore of season two pizza eats is what I'm calling it. Yeah. Um, I'll recap these um, briefly, John, I don't know if you can pull up the score. So as I go through them, you could just let everyone know what we price them at. Uh, yep. So I'll give you a second to do that, but um, we've got 13. So from season to episode one, John ate anchovy and peanut butter. That got a three out of ten. Three dollars. In the second episode, I ate, Andrew ate wheat germ. Seven dollars. Episode three, Chris ate desiccated liver. One dollar. Episode four, John ate extra crispy crust. That was an eight dollar pizza. Episode five, Andrew ate pepperoni. That was a $9. Six, Chris ate cheese. And in fact, did he eat cheese, which (laughs) may have been confused with the extra crispy crust because he almost burnt it. (laughs) Yes. Or did burn it. That was $8.50. 
uh, episode seven, John eight, chocolate chip and caramel fudge. That was three dollars and fifty cents. Episode eight, Andrew eight, banana and sausage. Seven dollars. Episode nine, Chris eight, all sauce. Four dollars and eighty-two cents. Episode ten, John eight, meatball. Nine dollars and one cent. Episode eleven, Chris eight, everything pizza. Eight dollars and forty-four cents. Episode twelve, Andrew ate everything minus the green veggies pizza. That was one cent less at eight forty-three. And then this episode, John, you tackled Earth slash mushroom. Yep. Eight dollars and forty-four. Oh, forty-six. Eight forty-six. Yeah. Very good. So, what what's the um, criteria for this? Are we just going most interesting, most fun, um, most disgusting? What are you guys thinking? I think it just might. But just my favorite. Like, yeah, I think whatever I enjoyed the most memorable. I was gonna go with like whatever. I think it could be any one of those things you said, Andrew. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Chris, what do you want to lead us off with? Uh I'm gonna go with one that I, I like is <laughs> just a very interesting combo, and that's banana and sausage. Mm. Unique. I, I I think it was somewhat enjoyable because I think you said you didn't really taste the banana, but just a funny pizza to say banana and sausage. And that sausage that Andrew had looked fucking so good. Yeah. yeah. Falls Dick. brand. Yeah. Local here. Yeah. Uh, very good. Very good. I mean, I'm biased. I don't know if John, um, John, if you like would agree with that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's on the board. Banana and sausage. John, what, uh, what would be your pick? I'm going to choose Chris's desiccated liver pizza because it, yeah, he had to buy like a thirty dollar. Yeah, I was gonna say perhaps pills. the most expensive pizza on the list, <laughs> and it was yeah. terrible. And yeah. also um, educational because I don't think any of us actually knew what desiccated liver was before you had no. to eat it. We did. Yeah. Not. yeah, it's hard uh, for me to imagine a pizza that'll taste worse than that one did. That was just a terrible pizza. Yeah, what if you had to summarize it in like one or two words, like what is it? What was the closest thing that tastes like desiccated liver? Is it like feet? Is it the ground? Is it the earth? Is it? No, it's like, it's mineral. So it's, like, it's kind of like a yeah. mouthful of pennies, but like yeah. powdered form. So it's super dry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just brutal, like powdered blood. It's just not very, like I've had liver before, which I tend to like, but it's like super intense. It's concentrated. So it's just yeah, way too much. Yeah. That's all what right. I'm picking. Desiccated liver. All right, and in a similar fashion, my pick would be anchovy and peanut butter because specifically because uh, that combination is probably up there with desiccated liver is the worst possible thing you could roll. But I remember that episode, John took a bite and like at first I thought he was going to say it's good. Like I think he was trying to convince himself like, oh, mm, it's actually pretty good. And then all of a sudden he's like, no, no. <laughs> Get this thing out of the mouth. That one was Chris after the Cocoa Puff pizza debacle of this of episode three that we had. Chris was on his high horse. Chris, how's the weather up there on your high horse, by the way? Saying that thou shalt must not make any pizza that deviates from a cheese Elios with the topping. <laughs> so I went straight up. <laughs> anchovy and peanut butter no fanciness on it yeah so 
That was rough. It was very yeah, salty. Yeah, best decision I made unilaterally. The spirit of the pizza wheel. <laughs> so in your mind, does that make the board too for you guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. It's fucking terrible. Oof. All right. And then what's uh, what are we putting in the, in the fourth spot? So I... And this may be kind of basic, but when you made the pepperoni pizza, the pepperoni just looked so good yeah, that of, I think of all the pizzas I've seen on here, I wanted to eat that one the most. <laughs> so I, I was going to say pepperoni. That was yeah, a good pizza. coming in hot with the cured meats. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't eat a lot of them, but when I do, I like, I don't, I don't shy away from like the best that I can get. Like they were that, perfectly like cupped. Yeah, because when you get the cup on the pepperoni, things well, are going well. I went with, I think I went with Boar's Head, Boar's Head pepperoni. Like I didn't just buy the pre-sliced stuff; I I cut mm-hmm. it myself, and um, definitely contributed to the excellence of that pizza. Yeah, um, I would have said wheat germ, but I was a little like I think it was just kind of flavorless, right? Yeah, wheat germ, super boring. Again, I I mean that wasn't as expensive a desiccated liver, but I bought like an eight dollar thing of wheat germ and have I just threw it out because I'm never going to use that again. Yeah, I had like ninety desiccated liver pills that I was like, well, in the trash these go because I'm yeah. never going to use these for anything. Uh, pepperoni could be up there. I was considering. I liked the all sauce episode because. Um, <laughs> I think that's where I had screwed up. Uh, my computer wasn't working. We had to push back the recording time or something. And Chris had a hot pizza that then went cold, but he also had a faux pas where he's trying to scrape off yeah. the cheese, but then there was nothing left. So it was just this like <laughs> Rube, uh, was it, what's that? Rube Goldberg? Rube Goldberg. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like series of events, which left him with a pizza that in theory should have been okay but it turned out to be like cold and disgusting and then you just had like unseasoned yeah. tomato sauce that you yeah i had to scramble and like put unseasoned <laughs> and then try and season it and it was it was like cold you could taste the can in the sauce yeah. still <laughs> yeah yeah it was rough and that was yeah that was the run of i had two cold pizzas in a row because of recording issues so that was one of them <laughs> um so that one's up there for me and then i thought your everything pizza looked delicious like it was a thick like DiGiorno, wasn't it? Yeah, Stop it was a rising crust. Brand. Yeah, mm. looked good. Like in terms of pizza, I want to eat. And same with John's meatball. Like even though it was kind of sparse on the meatball, it's hard to be a meatball pizza. So yeah. I don't necessarily have a really good barometer for what should be for John. What were you thinking? I was thinking, yeah, pepperoni or, um, yeah, probably pepperoni was the only right. other one. So pepperoni yeah. makes makes the uh, the board. Very good. So that concludes our Mount Rushmore of season two pizza eats with pepperoni, banana and sausage, desiccated liver, and anchovy and peanut butter. Quite the combo. Yeah. So um, what do you guys think? I, you know, thought season two would benefit from this sort of Mount Rushmore recap. Uh, maybe it's something that we keep moving forward, especially as these seasons get longer and maybe um, more enjoyable or even like a longer segment in the future. But I yeah. thought it may just be a good way to kind of wrap everything up um, before we move into some of our final segments here for this episode. 
Yeah, like I imagine season three is old, is long, right? Yeah, I think it's one of the forty plus episodes. Yeah, we might have to do a separate episode just for the yeah, the bonus episode. Ones, yeah, um, this the finale got me really excited for season three because I can't. I just I'm curious to see how they how do they go from like in theory I know they probably don't die but Krang and Shredder going down in the lava pit how do you get them out of that situation and how quickly do they return in season three? Yeah, I mean I know for sure season three has arguably my favorite episode, which I'll save for when we get to it. Um, and if I remember correctly, it's either season three or season four is my favorite season which is easy to say when there's like 50 episodes, but um, there's a lot of good stuff to look forward to. A lot of uh, character introductions that are going to happen here in the next, next chapter. Love it. So to, uh, to close out this podcast episode, we're going to rush, we're going to run through uh, turtleisms. Then we'll get to the villain power ranking and then we'll um, send things off with the Twitter poll question. So for turtleisms. Any of you guys um, keep track? Yeah. You want me to run down the list? John, yeah. I'm assuming, did not do anything? Nope. All right. So I'll go Don't down my list. need to ask at this point. So this is in order that I heard them in the show, and I also have said them. So first, I got a Stay Loose by Mikey. I've got a Creepazoids by Mikey. Mm-hmm. I've got I'll Bet My Shell. That was Raph. Exactamundo by Mikey. Leo gave us a solo turtle power. April had story of the century. Bebop, we got shellbacks. Mikey gave a cowabunga. He also gave uh, turtles on the half shell. That's when they're about to die going mm-hmm. over the falls. He said tubuloso. I had Mondo Misery to the Max by Mikey. Mm-hmm. This one, I don't, I think I caught it right. Raving Ravioli. Was yeah, was it key. raving or raining? I had raining. I didn't it might have been raining. I couldn't hear the first word is what I was unsure yeah. about. Um, everybody said turtle power. Donnie gave us a turtle toe jam. Uh, yep. Mikey had creepolas. Donnie had shells to the wall. Bebop gave us a turtle breath. And then Donnie said hall shell. I probably missed a couple. but Yeah, uh, the only ones party hardy. Mikey said that I I despise that, but I wrote it down. Um, so the then, the line was actually flaming ravioli. Flaming? Oh, okay. There's no way that's what I heard. Yeah. Flaming ravioli. It's the technodrome based on the transcript. Huh. Um, and then Raving the only other... ravioli makes more sense. Rav rave ravioli. Okay. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, the only other one was the plasma. Plasma rised and get my goat from Rock City. I don't know if you mentioned those two, but quite a few. Again, Michelangelo taking the cake. So that brings us to our oh. villain power ranking. So with the villain power ranking, no new villains introduced in this episode. But that doesn't mean we don't do the segment because there may be a claim to be made for existing villains to move up or down. So actually Ken, and I'm going off script here. Do the rock soldiers count as a new villain? 
That's a good point because we don't have them. We have Trag and Granitor, but we don't have an individual rock soldier on there. Yeah. You know, I say yeah. I think I they see. probably go to the end. Like nine, film in the nine slot. Unless, or maybe, I don't know, maybe up, they did kind of give Donnie a run for his money for a second there, but. Um, yeah, the question is, in my mind, like, because the knucklehead, again, we established that it caught one of the turtles. The punks just kind of vandalized the city and chased the turtles. Did the rock soldiers do any do something more or less than the punks, I guess, is a question in my mind. Well, I don't know if they, they did. also one of them got murdered. Two of them got murdered, so and they all died in magma. The they didn't really do much of it. Vibrating Donnie when he hit him on the head, which wasn't even intentional, so yeah. probably put him in the nine slot. Put him in the nine hole. I think that's fair. So holy go. Perfect. So we almost have a full board at the end of season two for the villain power ranking. Just to remind folks uh, if this looks quite different than the last podcast episode you listened to or streamed on YouTube, um, feel free to head over to YouTube to watch the villain power re ranking, which I mentioned at the top of the show, but it's about 30 minutes long. It, it's us going through each of these slides and calling our, our villain power ranking list. So feel free to check that out. In the meantime, any claims to be made for shifting the top 10? I think I think Krang's got to go to the top here. Yeah, I was going to yeah. suggest that as well. Yep. As much, I mean, Baxter is a little bit of uh, attrition here just for non-appearances, but Krang, I think, just did really well. The Getting the Technodrome sort of putting his master plan in place, even though he did get foiled a couple times. Yeah, but also, like, that was Shredder's fault, technically. Yeah. He screwed him at the power plant, which is why he didn't have the power to blast the turtles to smithereens. And then, at the end, Shredder and Bebop and Rocksteady just couldn't keep the turtles at bay long enough for Krang to activate the earthquake mechanism, so. Yeah. So, Krang at the top and in I agree with that. The question is, does Baxter fall yeah. further because of inactivity? I mean, he hasn't been in the last like six or seven episodes here. Yeah. Is it crazy to think that Bebop and Rocksteady should move above Shredder? <laughs> That's crazy. Crazy. He shot talk. down the turtle blimp. Like Shred in this episode, Shredder only messed up. No, he got to Niagara Falls and did the defector thing almost immediately. But with Bebop with, and Rocksteady, like, they blasted help. the door down for him. And like he went one-on-one -on -one with Splinter, didn't even touch him. At least Bebop and Rocksteady kind of scuffled with the Turtles a little bit. Although they kind of lost two fights to them in that episode. So maybe that is a little crazy. <laughs> Just Shredder, like, bad, really bad episode for Shredder. Didn't do anything. Really. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't... I could be swayed either way uh, for Bebop and Rocksteady leapfrogging Shredder. Like, I think I'm neutral on that. Like, I could argue both sides. Um, 
I think Baxter needs to come down below those two regardless. Mm. So Baxter needs to go into the four slot above Trag and Granitor in my mind, just because of inactivity. Even though when he was around, he was by far the most successful villain we had. Yeah. Um, so I, I would make that argument. I don't know if you guys agree or not. No, I do. I agree with that. I agree, yeah. Um, I almost want to say put the foot soldiers up above Trag and Granitor too. Yeah, from inactivity as well. Yeah, and yeah. I mean the foot soldiers have done a little bit at least. They shot a couple things down. Yeah, like they're I, in. Technically, they beat Mikey. You know, one on one situation. Yeah, I can roll with that. And then yeah, so then it just comes down to are we keeping Shredder in the two, or move moving him down to the three and moving Bebop and Rocksteady up to the two slot. John, what do you think? I personally think Shredder should stay in the two. Okay. But it might be in the minority there. I don't know. He's like still commanding. I'd like to see how Bebop and Rocksteady come out in season three, but. I I mean, I I could live with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. So the new, the new um, villain power ranking top 10 from one uh, to nine is Krang, Shredder, Bebop and Rocksteady, Baxter, Foot Soldiers at five, Dragon Granitor, The Knucklehead, Punks at eight, and then Rock Soldiers round out our top 10 at, uh, at number nine. Yeah. And I guess a little boost for Shredder now that I think about it. I don't know if you guys caught it, but he keeps the crane communicator in like his nutsack, basically. The pocket <laughs> they showed him putting it in was like in the front of his pants. He just hides oh, it in there. I think of that as like the quarterback, like hand wiper thing, or like cold, <laughs> when it's cold and that quarterbacks put it in like their front pouch there. Yeah, his little hand warmer. Um, all right. So that's the mm-hmm. top 10. What about. Um, I know we don't have anything for the reserves. We don't have anything for the graveyard, right? We do not. No zombies this week. Yeah. I'm also excited for that for season three. Let's get some yeah. fresh villains in here to really fill up this board. Cool. Well, that wraps our villain power ranking. So now, um, before we do our send off, John, what is the Twitter poll question of the week? So I, I had a couple lined up here, but I think in the spirit of Easter and the fact that I think this might be an interesting uh, question. So at Catholic Mass, you'll go up and you'll receive the body of Christ, which is a little tasteless, some would say, piece of paper. Wafer on your wafer. If you could replace that wafer with something, what would you replace it with to receive communion? I guess is it called communion? I haven't been in church. Yeah, it's the Eucharist. Is the yeah, like all the stuff, the food and the drink. Yeah, the body. Yeah, if if you could replace the body of Christ with something that churchgoers would receive, what would you replace it with? 
It's a good question because you could go like serious or yeah. you could go funny or you could go like just <laughs> off the wall. That's a good uh I just kind of I just kind of came up with that on the fly. So you're welcome. Andrew, because you yeah, uh mm-hmm. are doing the pizza next week. I guess you go first here. Lead it off. Okay. Well, um Interesting and timely because I did see Chris tweeted on his personal account the uh, the meatball the mammoth meatball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was that this week or was that from a while ago? Yeah, wasn't it a meatball? Yeah, they they like. Oh yeah, yeah, meat. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the frozen they're, meatball. I yeah, about that. Uh, I'm not picking that, but I thought that was kind of funny. It would be <laughs> it'd be a funny joke to stick a meatball up at the uh, <laughs> at the altar or whatever. Um, <laughs> shoving meatballs into people's mouths that would be funny <laughs> it's like you're at Ikea yeah. <laughs> um, I mean body of Christ what would I do I w- I'm going to lean to humor of course um, to try to win this poll and I'm going to go fuck this is tough I got Stop. one answer here. So if yeah. you take it, I don't think fuck. there's an advantage to going first here either. Yeah. I think it's, you could pick anything. There's a lot of options. Yeah. Funniest thing. So I'm trying to think of like the most pol- either funny or like the most polarizing food that I can think of. Cause to watch people's faces, um, <laughs> like eat, you know, like cilantro, you know, people like some people are super tasters <laughs> and they like cilantro tastes like cat yeah. or something. So, um, I'm drawing blanks. I might have to pass. I might have to pass to, uh, <laughs> okay. To, oh, pass to John, me. you yeah. want to go? No, I'll pass. Yeah, pass to me. So I'm going to, I'm going here. Um, I think I'm going to go for what is universally loved by people. And now that I say that, I actually shit. And I'm between two options. So, <laughs> do you want to pass the double pass? No, no, no. No, no I'm going to go. I'm going no, vanilla, uh, vanilla wafer. Vanilla wafer? Vanilla wafer? Vanilla wafer, yeah. Wow. I mean, Which great. is just. I'll, yeah. I love no wafers. It's just fucking lining I mean, up down the yeah. fucking aisle for that shit. And it's, it's still like small enough where you can, like, the priest can place it on your tongue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and you know babies, they, you'd have babies. Yeah, yeah. just waiting for the no wafer. It, it's, it's a good one. Uh, it's a great answer too, because it really is like the actual wafer they serve on steroids. It's like the best version yeah. of a wafer that you could ever have. Yeah, place in your mouth. That's yeah. why I picked it. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go a nilla wafer. Have you have it's you noticed fresh they or make, stale? They make um, mini nilla wafers, which you I would love to just put in a bowl and eat like cereal. I bet it would be yeah, incredible. <laughs> I haven't done that, but I um, I have eaten the mini and they're delicious. So you can just get a whole hand. It's like goldfish. You just like, how many have you eaten? I don't know, a thousand. Yeah. I'm going to eat the whole <laughs> box. Yeah. Good answer. All right. So now, does it go back to Andrew now? Oh, Chris can go. Yeah. So I. He's got one ready. I have a, Yeah, I have one ready. I have a couple answers I was thinking of, but I think the best one would be Warhead Candies. Ooh. To just boom right on the tongue and to watch people's faces as they have to eat them would just be, I'm thinking of like an 85-year-old church lady that's just boom, blue warhead right down the throat. I feel like that's like, I feel like their commercials were like old people with the sour face. Yeah, just like, "Mm." 
That's funny. The, the real body of Christ, and you just prick you right up. <laughs> so there's a couple <laughs> others I'll say for honorable <laughs> mentions, but War, I think Warheads would be the funniest. Warheads would be funny, and that's kind of where I was thinking either like something super polarizing, and Warheads is probably the best example of like polarizing um, food or candy that I can think of. Um, so that's a solid one. I'm going to go, this one is probably going to lead to a loss. However, <laughs> I think it'd be funny because uh, I'm going to go with a different candy. I'm going to go with Skittles. And the reason I go with Skittles is because in my mind, I think it'd be hilarious if you went up there and number one, the priest gave you a single Skittle. Again, <laughs> I don't know anyone that's eaten a single Skittle, but as it's being placed into your mouth, you know, um, uh, what do people say um, when they receive the wafer? Like, what's it? What's the standard? Oh, the response? priest goes like the body of Christ. <laughs> yeah. And usually, you don't even have to say anything. You just or you say like, yeah. "Amen." So say, "Fuck yeah, Jesus!" <laughs> <laughs> the body of Christ is like a lime skittle. So he says, "The body of Christ places it in your mouth," and then he whispers, "Taste the rainbow." <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing that came to mind. <laughs> It would also be funny if, like, you just empties. So when I eat Skittles, I just take the whole bag. It'd be funny if you just like emptied a bag of Skittles into everyone's yeah. mouth that was up there. Or like some some nerds. Yeah, <laughs> he just like, lead back and takes a little box and just pours yeah. it. What if he did like Pop Rocks and then the wine is just soda? Yeah, <laughs> he make people drink it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things I think that could be uh, could a be funny question. Honorable mentions. I was gonna. I was between a Nilla wafer and then I thought an Oreo also might be very, very tasty. Ooh. Oreo yeah. would be good. A full Oreo. Yeah, <laughs> like a single spaghetti noodle. So you gotta like slurp it up. <laughs> Actually, that would be hilarious. Yeah, like the just longest. the body of Christ. And just... uh, a ravioli. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I didn't think about like something or that's lasagna super hearty. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, lasagna you need exactly. That's what I was actually thinking in my head is like a lasagna because it's so massive. Like, how do you eat, you that thing eat without the whole choking, thing without choking it down? Like, even like a shrimp cocktail would be funny if they're just all around <laughs> dipping the cocktail sauce. <laughs> Yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough one. I, just, I don't have. I don't have a lot in my brain. That's uh That's good for good answer for that. So I guess we'll see. We'll see who wins. Um, but that will be the first pizza. Um, first pizza spin of season three will be the the uh, loser of this Twitter poll question of what would you replace the body of Christ with at um, Catholic Mass. Mm. So that brings us to the conclusion of the podcast episode, not to be confused with the turtles episode. So, um, any, any closing thoughts, anything you're looking forward to, anything you want to plug or mention that's non turtle related, John. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm very exciting for very excited for the start of next season. I do think it would be funny if they just, make some joke about how like it was hot in the magma or something and they just kind of move on from it but we'll see i'm excited to just see how it starts off yeah same on my end i just i'm curious to see 
Because last season, at the end of last season, Shredder got sent to Dimension X, and I was like, oh, I wonder how they're going to get him back or whatever. And he was just instantly back episode one of season two. So I feel like, maybe like John said, like episode one of season three, they'll probably just figure out a, a way to get Krang and Shredder back in the mix. But I'm excited for all the new villains. I think a longer season, hopefully there's like some other tangent plot lines and stuff that can develop since there's 40 episodes or whatever it is. So I'm excited it's going to be a that. solid year before we get to the next season. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's just crazy. So I, I will say... I mean, if you thought there were some throwaway episodes in season one or season two, like there's definitely throwaway episodes. And if you have not enjoyed the repetitive kind of Shredder Krang storyline, you're probably also going to be a little disappointed because that does persist throughout the season. But, um, as, you know, as we've mentioned and I foreshadow, there's a lot of new character introductions, both villains and allies to the Turtles. So in general, I think... I'm looking forward to it because there's just more diversity in terms of what to discuss. It's not, it's not so repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in other world, I have almost um, completed my collection of the NECA tune action figures. Uh, I know I teased a show and tell a few episodes ago. I, I do intend to fulfill that promise here in the next uh, podcast episode or two. So stay tuned for that. Um, but if you have any leads on Shredder, actually, in fact, um, for a NECA tune, I would love to hear it. So tweet at me or uh, drop me a, a an email or whatever. Get in contact with me somehow because I need Shredder. He's one of the one of the few action figures I do not have. So secondary market, let's go. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, hopefully everyone had a happy Easter uh, for those that celebrate. If not, hopefully you had an enjoyable weekend. Um, And we'll see you for Season 3, Episode 1, which is Beneath These Streets. Until then, for John and Chris, this is Andrew saying, Calabunga. 